Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-host Kira Jade Opitz and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is Weird Kid Video. She's back, business. Shit. She's back. Kira is back on the pod. Hi. Excited? What have you been doing? I had a child. Wow. How's that working out? He's adorable. Yeah. Mm. You miss him a lot right now. So much. <laughs> this is one of the first times. This is like the second time that we have ever left him somewhere. Yeah. And last time when we po- when I was on the podcast with Jody, he was still here. He was just upstairs. And he is not in the building. So if Kira has a breakdown... That's why. Kira just suddenly disappears from the pod. It's because I've ran away to find my child. Yeah. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. We left him a knife. (laughs) He can protect himself from bears. And some deer meat. He'll be fine. (laughs) Old business. Old business? Do we have any? Does Kira get any old business? I have some old business. Oh, my God. Really? I have so much old old? business. My ratings for the films since (laughs) I've been away. (laughs) Really? Guy of a Dark Hero, 2.5. Not a big fan of that one. Highlander 2, 3. I would have been a 2.5, but, but when I learned about all the alternate stuff and, and how that movie should have been, sure. I, I liked it more. Tremio and Juliet, 2.5. Wow. The Hidden, 3.5. The Fly, 3. Last Night, 4.5. Existence, 2.5. You watched The Fly and you didn't tell me. <laughs> What was, what and was you the gave it a th- you, And you gave it a three. That's wild. You enjoyed that movie. Can I just say, a three is lower than I thought. I know it's not Kira's cup of tea, but I thought you still would have Can we, given can we talk more. about what you thought about The Fly? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I had to, couldn't talk about that movie with you. It's because it had half-naked Goldblum, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, I liked some of the sort of character stuff and the character... Like it's super relationships and stuff and kind of that side of it. I didn't like the the body horror. I never liked body horror, but really, um, no, that's why existence gets two point five. But you you like horror? I like horror. I don't like body horror. It's wow, different. wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I don't like horror. There are some horrors that I like. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, but Kane usually has to talk me into watching it. Watching yeah, I would say movie. that I I'd say that I have brought Kira into horror really to appreciate horror but it would if she was given the choice you would not watch probably, huh. probably not oh i might now but yeah probably not. I yeah, you're, more of, a, you're more of a horror person than me though yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, because yeah. of him i mean like the first time we watched was it scream oh yeah um, we, we told us that story on the pod before mm. yeah i watched the opening sequence and then we had to put the movie away yeah <laughs> put the movie away for like three or four years yeah. wow. like she was so traumatized by the opening of that movie and i get it because i sat in a theater and watched that for the first time and was like holy fuck what but then wow, once, okay. once i gave that one another chance and then watched the rest that's when we got introduced to the other like nightmare and everything else yeah. so, right okay which, Leads us into, well, I still have old business. But it would have been a beautiful segue, but I still have some old business. <laughs> I also have a, a more old business. Are you going to review? Yeah, I think Hit so. Us. Unless you already had this one, but it was from the 6th of September. So I'm no, guessing not. Probably not. From Jeffy the Fr- Flying Prong. No, oh, I don't okay. believe so. I love this show. 
spending hours at your local video shop, slipping a worn videotape into your VCR and discovering a lost classic. The hosts have a great sense of humour and so much knowledge and show underappreciated and sometimes bad movies some love. Brody is a laugh, Kira is too, and Kean's knowledge is undeniable. Definitely one of my go-to podcasts. Keep it up, guys. Your podcast is great and always appreciated when a new app drops. Oh, I love that. Four stars. Four stars. Four yeah. stars. Nice. Nice. Good. Well, that's Brody, awesome. Brody owes us a story then. I yep. will I will start thinking of the appropriate <laughs> one. Okay. My old business Maybe a is, good nightmare would be good for this episode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a great one. <laughs> I can tell nightmares. I have so many different recurring nightmares. There you go. Good. There you go. Yeah. That'll be fun for me to play with. My... After some great self-reflection and a little bit of humility, I um, realize I need to apologize to the great what? nation of Canada for something I said in the previous podcast. Okay. Yeah. I fucked up. What did you do? Well, I called their money Canada bucks. <laughs> They're loonies, aren't they? I thought they were loonies. Well, they have loonies and toonies. It's what they call their, their change. Ah. But I called them Canada bucks. Yeah. When Gretzky's was right there. Yeah, true. <laughs> I should, should have just called them Gretz- Gretzky's. I am so <laughs> sorry that that did not pop into my head. I was on my motorcycle a week after we recorded. <laughs> and I was replaying the podcast in my head. And I was like, fuck Gretzky's. <laughs> I can't so believe your I memory for things. My, as soon as we walk out this door, I don't have any recollection of anything that I've said. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably shows. a good thing. I've used that against you. <laughs> You don't there remember things that you've said five minutes ago in this podcast. 100%. <laughs> I've listened to podcasts and not only between two podcasts has, have I said opposite things, yes. but in the same podcast yeah. I've said opposite things. Yes. We notice it in the room and try to call you on it and you get confused. I'm a very confusing person. <laughs> Inwardly and outwardly. Let's, well, let's see how we go this week. New business. We're never sleeping again, motherfuckers. We are finally... Talking about Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. In the jar and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't. She's the only one who can stop it if she fails. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes, and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Halloween. Now, yeah. now normally, I'd ask this on a TV corner, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you today, what was your, 
knowledge or expectation of how of, of Halloween. Sorry. You put it in my head of Nightmare on Elm Street before you watched this first movie without going into how you feel about the movie. So I think that's a good question. I think because I never reached out to actually try and watch this movie before in my concept, this movie was overly schlocky was not a horror classic, but was one of those movies that people have love for, but not everyone. Right. And that's why. Did you why know what it was about? I, I knew Freddie and I, and, it, and one of the things that I kind of had to think about during this movie was removing the meme of Freddie from my consciousness. Yes. And therefore there were things, the visual things in this that I saw and I was like, oh, I've kind of seen that in other places. Mm. But yeah, I, I had a very negative idea of this movie going in because I thought it was a little bit trashy. And right. the funny thing is, is this whole Cause, podcast. Because we saw we saw the trailer for Nightmare 4. I can't remember what yeah. tape it was. And you were like. You, you asked questions that, that prompted me to think that you were confused about what Nightmare was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also get massively confused between Freddy and Jason. Right. Because I'm- They're very I'm, different people. But, very, very. But, um, <laughs> Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street get confused about all the time. Right. So I mix that's up Jason you, and Michael. That's because you haven't seen them. I don't yeah. mix up Jason That and makes Freddy. sense as well. Yeah. But that's because- but yeah, Michael actually, I would put that in as well. Those three, I kind of well, get they're the three up. iconic eighties, eighties yeah. yeah. slashes. Jason yeah. and Michael are closer to the same yeah. concept, where Freddy is Freddy's definitely not. Freddy's the dreams. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. I would always get confused, yeah. and I, I think this whole podcast as an exercise has made me not just have a greater love for movies like this, but realize I had like a kind of snootiness about some of the feelings that I had about movies mm-hmm. and this, it's just ripped it all from me. And yeah, no, I'll, I'll tell you how I feel about yeah, this cool. movie as we go Good, through it. Okay. But yeah, it, okay. I, I definitely knew I was going to disagree with some previous feelings about this movie yeah, that cool. I had. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm curious to hear, to hear about yeah. this. So written and directed by the one and only Wes Craven. There was a definitely a period in my life where if you asked me who my favorite directors are, Craven would have been in the top three. It's it's very funny that as this movie opened, there must be some kind of training that I'm getting from this pub because I saw old New Line Cinema, yeah, and then I saw Wes Craven, and I was like, "This is going to be a good, good time." time. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, you've grown I since know, I last right? saw you, yeah. and I know names of things. Look at you! I'm so proud. Yeah, Craven was raised strict Baptist, and I mean Whoa. strict. That kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I did not know that. He didn't see a movie until he was in college. Holy what? shit. Yeah. Any movie? No. He didn't That's see any He didn't really see movies. Was not and exposed. And then became I a filmmaker. He, yeah. yeah. That's so, cool. Um, That's fucking wild. He escaped to college, right? <laughs> so he got a master's in writing and philosophy from John, from John Hopkins. And then he was an English teacher or professor at a few different at a few different schools. That was wow. how he started his career. Right. So he steeped in English literature. Right. Was he a writer of like prose or short stories or anything? He like probably that? wrote during that period of time. Yeah. While he worked, he started making shorts because he became enamored with film. And then eventually he moved to New York City in the late 60s, where he started as a sound editor at a post house. And then he worked his way up. It's interesting to go from a lecturer to an editor. 
Yeah, well, he was interested. In, he had a career, but it wasn't, and he loved his career because uh, as being a teacher. But then he discovered film. Yeah, okay. right. So then he made the decision to wow. make that make that jump. I'm always so impressed by people who are well established in one field and then make a jump. Eventually, he started directing pornography. <laughs> nice. I think I did know that. Yeah. That's how they, you've told us that's how a lot of people got into it. I mentioned, in yeah. I mentioned there is a famous filmmaker that we uh-huh. will talk about. This is who I was talking about. Uh-huh. So he, this is the Deep Throat era okay. of pornography, which is when f- the movie Deep Throat comes out and it becomes not quite mainstream, but it becomes publicly acceptable to go see feature link porn with a story in a theater. Okay. My mind is going crazy. What do you mean? Uh, am I thinking what you mean what do, by deep throat? Yeah. The movie, the movie deep throat. Oh, I didn't, I don't know what that is. Okay. Oh, Jesus it, Christ. That's what I think it is. Not uh, Watergate. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. No, the, right. water, no. Watergate nickname comes from the movie. Right. 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 Okay. Does it connect plot-wise? Uh, no. Deep Throat is a is one of the first pornos to have a story, right? Okay. It stars Linda Lovelace. Okay. And it is a story about a woman who has a clitoris in the back of her throat, so she orgasms every time that she gives <laughs> oral sex. Yes! Right? I didn't know we were going there, but that's awesome. It, it became a big movie. Now, West Cove is not related to this movie. We got way in the weeds here. Yeah. That movie rose to, like, it was talked about on, like, Johnny Carson made jokes about it on on, on, wow. okay. on late night television, right? So, so was, this, was it released in cinemas? It released in cinemas. So what started to happen is, this is also, like, we're getting into the John Holmes era. There's no home video, so the only way to watch watch pornography right. is to go to a CD theater and watch it. But couples start, going, couples start going to watch, to watch porno okay. because it starts to become, it rises in the pop, in the pop culture. So it's this very brief moment. Wow. It only lasts for a little while. Anyway, Wes is there during that era. So he starts directing porn using the name Abe snake. Nice. Okay. <laughs> nice. Which is a fantastic Fantastic. He uses other pseudonyms as well, but his most well-known one is Ape. Is okay. So he's there for that. The transition between pornography and then horror cinema is very close in this period of time. Oh, right. Okay. Because you're learning how to like shoot movies fast and dirty. What else yeah. shoots movies fast and dirty? Horror shoots movies fast and yes. dirty. Yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out. There's an overlap have, of nudity. There's, a, there's, a, there's all that. Yeah, there's expo- the exploitation factor of it. Sure. Right? So he f- makes his leap into uh, real movies, quote unquote, in 1972 with the very controversial Last House on the left. I've heard of that. I've it's never amazing. seen that. It's pretty full on. It's a it's a, like one of those movies that like we need to have watched, right? In like cinema history. Uh, if you are into movies and you're into Wes Craven, yeah, sure. But yeah. it is not this I wouldn't necessarily call it an enjoyable experience. It oh, is okay. pretty extreme. Followed by The Hills Have Eyes, which is his second movie, which is yeah. a movie I love. It's about uh, a family and a family that get lost in the desert and then mutants <laughs> Mutant cannibals. Again. Wonder- the imagery in it is wonderful. Name- I thought I'd seen that, but then yeah. no, that, that, that description, no, I haven't no, seen yeah. that. Name that I, famous name that I know and I thought I've seen, but I've never yep. heard of any of that. Deadly Blessing, which is his first slasher movie. Okay. I've actually never seen. Neither. It's a gap in my, it's a gap in, in my, in my Craven Craven? filmography. And then a comic book movie. <laughs> Okay. He did an adaptation of DC's Swamp Thing in the 80s. Okay. Oh, not a yeah. great, Not a great movie. Not a, not a great movie. And then Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And we'll talk, uh, we'll talk more about his career 
as we move forward. I'm actually. So he wasn't a big deal. No. 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 Craven was inspired to write Nightmare on Elm Street by a couple of different things. Firstly, a series of three newspaper articles that he read in the 1970s about a spate of deaths in the Hmong refugee community where young men were dying in their sleep after reporting having nightmares. Okay. Wild. They would try to stay up. Okay, yeah. That's terrifying. And then the next time that they would fall asleep, they, they would died. die screaming in their sleep. Oh. This isn't a fear, but... Can I tell you one of my greatest tortures? Mm. Trying to stay awake. Right. <laughs> it is It is honestly because, like, I'm someone who easily falls asleep. Like, I know that. Trying to stay awake is really hard. It's te- it's fucking, oh, it is I torture. remember once I was trying to stay awake. I can't remember why. It was important that I stayed awake. And so I took no dose for the first time. <laughs> and you would think that would help me stay awake. But I fell asleep straight away. I think I think it's because uh, my brain went. Oh, you've taken something that'll do the heavy lifting relax. for you now, and then and I just I just conked out straight away. It was like I took a sleeping pill. Probably had a hectic <laughs> the, the longest period that I have stayed awake is three days. Yeah, I've had some wow. crazy benders, and that was done without any performance enhancing. Oh right. uh, no, I couldn't do that. No, that was that was that was me and a friend trying to beat each other to stay awake for the longest period of time. You do the <laughs> dumbest shit. Yeah. When you see people on like sitcoms or like cartoons doing things and you're like, oh, that's, that's okay. such that's a funny a story. Uh, but no one really does that in real life. That's your life. Yeah, yeah I kept that's why I thought that one of his friends was imaginary. Hmm. <laughs> um, the name Fred Krueger was taken from a bully that terrorised Craven as a kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's mad. Just to beat him up. That's good revenge. Mm. The look and the vibe of Freddy is taken from an encounter that Craven had when he was a small child. He was asleep in bed and he heard a noise outside. Mm. And when he looked out the window, there was a man standing on the street in a hat and a jacket staring right at him. Fuck. He recoiled back and hid, waited and waited and then snuck back to see and look. And when he looked, the man was still there staring directly at him. That's fucking that's terrifying. terrifying. Yes. And that re- that was real. That that's wasn't a dream. Yep, that's real. Yeah, that you, you would turn into someone who can direct horror movies. Yep. If you, if you <laughs> the title... Wait, and this was when he was a kid and didn't watch movies either. Yeah. So that's just his. So it's just something that like floated in him for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. The title's taken from a street in a town called Clarkson where he taught. He taught at a school there. And it's also the name of the street that Kennedy was assassinated on. Oh. So Elm Street is ah. the street Kennedy was assassinated on. This movie took him three years to get made. Every single studio rejected it. Disney was briefly interested, but they wanted him to tone it down. No. <laughs> he did not. Yeah, good. Imagine a toned down version of this. It just wouldn't, wouldn't work. Very, no one thought it would. this movie would work because most of because quite a lot of it's set in dreams and dreams aren't real. How is that scary? What? Because, it's, <laughs> because they are real. That's the point of the movie. Did I you know. read the script? It, it, yeah. It is one of those things where conceptually this movie, I have to understand now, like something with dreams, it doesn't seem that weird, right? But at the time, conceptually, this movie is a leap. Right. It's a narrative yeah. leap. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of... There had been a similar movie. Some studios were also concerned there was a similar movie about dreams called... Well, not similar, but it was about dreams called Dreamscapes that had been a massive flop as well. Oh, yeah. So that that plays into it as well. Eventually, they found independent funding and they were shooting 
when three days into production, the money disappeared. What? Nobody had was been. Was Charles nobody Band had been, involved? No, nobody had been paid. <laughs> they were saved last minute by Bob Shea at New Line Cinema, who agreed to finance the film and distribute it. Yeah, mad. We've talked about Bob and New Line before when we talked about Ghost in the Machine and The Hidden. New Line is the house that Freddie built. Right. Fair Before enough. this movie, they had only produced indie movies. They'd produced some John early John Waters movies, dipped their toes into slasher movies with Jack Shoulders Alone in the Dark. He directed The Hidden. I talked about it on that yeah. episode. So they decided to make a slasher movie because people were making slasher movies. So is this the start of New Line becoming... Yes. What I knew it yes. before we started doing this. Yes. So they mostly, so they had financed some films, but they mostly bought movies, rights to movies, and distributed them to college yeah, campuses. Right. Bob basically bet the house on Craven because if this movie is not a success, is not the success it is, New Line Cinema ceases to exist. Wow. Think about what happens in cinema history yeah. if New Line Cinema fails making this movie. Wow. Hectic. Yeah. Right? Okay. Their relationship was very contentious. And I'll talk more about that as we talk about this movie and the sequels. Okay. Starring Heather Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson. I thought I recognized her, but I did not. No, you probably wouldn't. This is something amazing. This is something that I didn't know until until this until this week, which is it's why I love don't you think love I, learning I, new I don't things because there's not that many things out there. No, anymore. I don't think that I know everything about 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 the movies I love, but I do know a lot. And then so yeah. when I find something new that is oh, I think is also really cool, something that connects to other movies. So this yeah. connects to other movies. So Heather Langenkamp grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and when she was twenty, she saw an ad in the paper for extra audition for a movie that was going to shoot in Tulsa. She snapped a Polaroid of herself and sent it in and got a role as a high school extra in that in that movie. The movie was Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders. Oh, oh shit. Based on the cool. S.E. Hinton novel. I love that movie. During the production of that movie, he decided to make another S.E. Hinton novel back-to-back. Rumblefish, uh, oh, wow. which we will do, it, but people should know is is like top. I think I've seen that once, and I was amazed. It's one it. of my favorite yeah. movies, one of my favorite movies ever. It is often on my Emma. You know, you do your letterbox top movies. Sure. It often goes into the rotation. In that, Heather and a friend were brought back to be extras in another scene for that. And while she was there, she was actually given some dialogue to say to. Rusty James, Matt Dillon's character. Ultimately, she was cut out of both movies. Uh-huh. Well, but she got her SAG card out of it uh, because she mad. had lines. So she decided to move to LA and try to become an actress. That's so fantastic. Fuck yeah. Rumblefish and The Outsiders is why we have Heather Langenclamp. That's really cool. Mad. Which is ama- an amazing story. In LA, she did some more movies and TV before Nightmare, and Nightmare was her break. She went to uh, an open audition for that movie. They saw hundreds of hundreds of girls. Craven was looking for someone that felt real and felt non-Hollywood, mm. which she does. If you yeah. look at if you look at other types of movies from this time, she is atypical. She's a brunette, yeah. yeah. Our lead, Nancy. Yeah. yeah. She's um, atypical. She looks like is one of the only characters that kind of look her age too. Like she is definitely not Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. Her career's had a lot of ups and downs. She kind of waxed away and she did a lot more, she did TV, more movies and stuff, but she is still working. We last saw her in Mike Flanagan's Christopher Pike adaptation of The Midnight Club. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she plays a very similar role to some of the characters in Nightmare 3, which 
Flanagan clearly owes a massive debt to for his <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> she married David Leroy Anderson, who's a special effects makeup artist, and moved into makeup effects with him. All right. So she Mad. works in makeup effects. They have a company together, AFX. As part of that, she sometimes performs okay. in makeup, which is why she has a blink and you miss it. Appearance as an alien on the bridge of the Enterprise in 2009 Star Trek. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I recognized her through the makeup. Of course you did. AFX, I, I feel like we've... No, we never we never talked about that. Oh, okay. Nope. Robert Englund is Freddy Krueger. Yay! Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. I really enjoyed this performance. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Englund's career is pretty wild. Yeah. He's like a song and dance theater guy. Yeah. That's that makes amazing. a lot of sense. He's like the nicest dude in the wo- in the world. Is he Freddy all the way through? Yes. Wow. Because I feel like the bits that I have seen. He becomes more Freddy throughout. You know what I mean? We're going to save that for, for okay, a later okay, conversation. Okay, okay. So he was a stage actor in the 60s, yeah. And according to his own legend, George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola were both casting Star Wars and Apocalypse Now at the same time across the hall from each other. Wow. <laughs> After he auditioned for Coppola for Apocalypse Now, he went across the hall and auditioned for Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. <laughs> and when he didn't get it, he went home and suggested to his roommate, Mark Hamill, that he should audition for Shut Skywalker. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yep. That's wild. Yeah. That's so sick. <laughs> That's fantastic. So he was not originally cast as Freddy. There was another actor in this role. David Warner? Yes, you would yeah, probably, you would know him if I showed you a picture of him. He's in Tron. He's in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Mm. <laughs> He's the scientist that, that created the use. The Omen? The movie The Omen? Mm. Yeah, you might know him vaguely if I, you'd be like, oh yeah, he looks kind of familiar. Anyway, he was originally cast as cast as Freddy and there are makeup tests floating around of him online. He's much more kind of like square. He's got like this big chin. Sure, okay. So it's a very different vibe. He left for scheduling conflicts, mm. which I think that he was worried about the money. <laughs> right. Right. That makes sense. And he exited. Originally, Craven was looking for, he didn't want a stuntman. Yeah. And he wanted an old an older man for Freddy. Yeah, makes he had the image sense. of an older man. And then he realized that the guy was going to be in makeup. So honestly, it didn't matter. <laughs> was. They've done well with the casting though, because you're right, that circle-ish head yep. gives old man a little bit more. Kane Hodder, who would later play Jason Voorhees, talked to Craven about the role, yes. but it never went further than a, than a conversation. Anglin showed up to the audition with greased back hair, and cigarette ash rubbed under his eyes to make him look shifty okay. <laughs> and seedy. His first big role on like television was as an alien on V, the miniseries. Okay. He played a friendly, one of the friendly aliens. He also played a, a human counterpart, counterpart on that show that looked exactly the same. V. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was like yeah. a big miniseries, television miniseries in the, in the in the early 80s. Okay. And then it led into a TV show. And then there is a, um, they tried to bring it back a bunch of times. When Battlestar Galactica was a hit, they tried to bring it back again. Sure. Because they were like, well, <laughs> if course. Galactica can come Aliens back. Aliens in space, all, all the same. It's about, you know, it's about visitors that come to Earth. V stands for, visit, for visitor. Right. Uh, they are not what they seem. So he shot Nightmare between the miniseries and the TV series. Yeah. He had taken the role of Freddy <laughs> to avoid typecasting. Interesting. Strangely enough, it did kind of typecast him as a horror <laughs> guy. He became Freddy for he the rest of his life. became a horror guy. Yeah. yeah. And he's still working. He's still he's still. He didn't want to get typecast as an alien? He didn't want to get typecast. There was a certain, <laughs> it's like, um, I don't know. I, I'm not going to put words into, it, into, okay. into his mouth. He most recently shows up in the, in the last season of Stranger Things. 
Yeah. Is who? Uh, he's a he's a guy, blind guy. He plays the son or f- some. I can't remember, but he plays. But he's connected. Yeah. Okay. Um, we will talk more about Stranger Things throughout this podcast. I still haven't seen that last season. Other cast members, I'm going to talk about as they as sure. they appear in the movie for the first um, time. Now that we've discussed the two that I think have the best performances in in the movie, sure. Can we discuss how I feel like really good acting in horror isn't necessary? I know where you're going with this, and I mostly agree with you, but I also disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In in because I feel like. A lot of this, they may have been abinches. It may have been because of the- A lot of the, them, are, a lot, most of them are veterans. Oh, okay. Except for and the kids, most of them are- most Well, of that's them. what I think I'm maybe so thinking there is about some, most. There is some, um, they are green. They're certainly sure. green. And I think that there is some difficult, not difficult dialogue, but there is some expositional yeah. stuff in this movie. I do, th- I actually think that there are scenes where, where Heather is- is not great. Same. But I think she warms yeah. over, ti- over time. Maybe a lot of horror involves a lot of young people. Yes, and inexperienced people and a generally. Lot of, yeah, and a lot of people swinging for the fences yes. as well is maybe what I'm feeling out. Yeah, we'll talk more about – we'll talk more about – there might be a particular performance that, you, that you're referring to and we will talk more about it. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I think, I think I know in general bad – Acting doesn't take away from horror films, but good acting definitely adds to them. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because then you can be more like connected to the character. I feel story like or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily need it the way some other films need it. Yeah, I feel like horror comes down to really good horror has really really good nuance and really really good big things as mm. well. Mm. And I think yeah, I don't think neither of them take away or add anything, but yeah. yeah. So trailers, no trailers. This is the only nightmare tape I do not own. It is way too fucking expensive. So and it's just getting really? more and more expensive. Yeah. What kind of ballpark? Anywhere from from two hundred and fifty to six hundred dollars. Whoa. Yeah, is what I've seen it. It's just it's just stupid. Tapes are just getting stupid expensive. Yeah. I would love to own this tape. I, it's the only one I don't own. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got to recap the premise, Brody, because Kira's seen this movie many okay. many, many times. Um, fuck, I was so prepared last time and I'm not for this one. <laughs> um, the premise is there is a murder revenge plot being uh, gamed out in dreams with a murderer that can uh, uh, bend the line between dream and reality for his murders. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah, not terrible. Ba-ba. Not great, not terrible. You can be killed <laughs> in your dreams by Freddy Krueger. Yeah. The blockbuster entertainment guide to movies and videos from the year 1998, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Craven's breakthrough hit tells of suburban teenagers plagued by nightmares about a scarred villain who kills them in their sleep. Imaginative premise generates genuine terror despite sometimes clunky dialogue and occasionally illogical story. Three and a half stars. Three and a half? That is a low review. Yeah. I think the funny thing is, is... I know I was like immediately like some of the acting in this is shit, but like that wasn't my attitude towards it. Mm. I feel like maybe a reviewer like that sees some of the flaws in a movie and still doesn't see the greatness of the overall. I will say, and this is something that we that I don't worry about, but something that, that Kira and I have talked about a few times, and I had the same thing with the with the fly with you, where yeah. I, sometimes I, I worry about 
you coming into something, seeing something that is maybe aged or is not mm. as as I do polished do as as things, and then being like, oh. it's fifty fifty with me. Yeah. I can either completely mull over it or yeah. accept it as it is, and then sometimes I hang on it. I'm just like, fuck that. Yeah, Jenna Maslin of the New York Times is Vincent Canby. We actually had oh, Maslin. we had one. We had Maslin last week. Kira yeah. doesn't. Do you know that? No. Do you, do you know? Then why did you say yeah? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Vincent Canby of the New York Times in November of 1984 wrote, In A Nightmare on Old Street, several teenagers start sharing the same dream in which a long-dead child murderer attempts to carry on his mission from the far side of the grave. That he succeeds for a while should come as no surprise to anyone who keeps up with horror films, especially those in which the mortality rate among the sexually active teenagers is always alarmingly high. John Saxon and Ronnie Blakely play, with suitable furrowed browed seriousness, the parents of a young woman the monster would most love to kill. Her name is Nancy, and she's pretty and bouncy enough to be a terrific cheerleader. The monster is played by Robert Englund, but what he looks like is anybody's guess, since he wears a lot of masks that are about as scary as those worn by extremely small trick-or-treaters on Halloween. What? That's not a mask, bro. That's his face. <laughs> yeah. And it's only the one. Like, he always looks the there's, same. There's one where the face pulls off and it's the skeleton. Yeah, uh, yeah but it's this not is, like- this is a This is a critic who is barely paying attention because he's watching a slasher movie in the theatre. But also, I don't Let think- Let me finish the review. Yeah, sure. The film was written and directed by Wes Craven, whose earlier films The House on, Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes specialised in graphically depicted mayhem and gore. Nightmare on Elm Street, which opens day- puts more emphasis on bizarre special effects, which aren't all bad. I, this one doesn't doesn't do the whole sexually active teenagers die thing as much as other ones. It's, like, not a, it's not a big part, the, is well, it? Well, yeah, it's, the, it's only really Tina, yeah. Yeah, but that's not really but why But that's not the reason why. Whereas yeah. Jason Voorhees, right, spoilers for, for Friday the 13th for Brody. Jason I Vo- know it already. Jason Voorhees is actively killing teenagers having sex yeah. because teenagers were having sex when he drowned. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, in Nightmare, it's not really part of the trope. So again, no. I don't think this review was yeah, watching. They use the trope, but it's not part of the They the don't plot. really use the yeah. trope. They, no. Yes, some teenagers have sex in the film, but that's not it's even, not even remotely die. connected to why they die. Yeah. Can I also bring up while this is going on how it had a shot at some of the effects and things like that? I think this is one of the kind of parts of horror which get lost on people, a large part of horror is comedy. And I feel like that moment where, like, he pulled the mask off and it was a skeleton, which we'll get to eventually. Mm-hmm. But, like, that, when some people... That's not meant to be funny. That's meant to be scary. You don't reckon there's an element of comedy in it? I think there's an because element of comedy. Because he's standing there and just, like, letting her pull his face and he's just like, ha, 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 like, he's you can't do anything. He's trying to scare her. Yeah, but it's, it's a mix of shocking. like, but there's a mix between like the delight of terror and comedy, and there is the delight of terror and comedy. That laughing at something that's so scary that it's shocking, and comedy are close to each other. But it's not meant to be okay. funny. The movie is meant to be taken seriously. Things that things that that's what I mean about like you maybe like bumping on things that are a little goofy in this movie. They're not meant to be goofy. They're meant to be. They're meant to be to be taken seriously. The movie is also meant to be a fun ride yeah. through its through its terror. Maybe that's what it, I'm but feeling. It's, but it's not meant to be fun. It's not meant to be funny. Yeah, comedy might not be the right I word. I don't think it's the right word. Yeah, but that's okay. okay. I have sure. a second review because I didn't like Vincent Camby's, so yeah, I, went okay. for, I went for a second opinion. Yeah. From the Washington Post, Paul Antanasio, if you laid all the styptic pens, I didn't know what a styptic pen was. I had to look it up. It's a 
like a shaving pen device that you pen device that you put on necks and cuts for shaving. Right. Right. Yep. Just to okay. provide context, because I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Never use one. If you laid all the steptic pens in America end to end, you still couldn't staunch the flow of blood in a nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Wes Craven's latest slasher movie is sort of a splat dance in which your dreams don't only come true, they also kill you. Craven, who also wrote the screenplay, has a remarkable feel for the habits and humor of teenagers. The sharp eye and ear with which he sketches his protagonist's early scenes as they trick their parents into allowing them to a slumber party grounds the horror in everyday life. For such a low-budget movie, Nightmare on Elm Street is extraordinarily polished. The script is consistently witty. The camera work by cinematographer Jacques Hayton has bathed the movie in a perversely refreshing baby blue. The camera's movement in the action seems confidently, co- confidently evokes the geometry of the surrounding space. The immediate reaction is to say you've seen it all before last Friday the 13th, so there's a constant pressure on the director's inventiveness, but Craven faces the challenge admirably. A Nightmare on Elm Street is halfway between exploitation flick and classic surrealism. Craven's slasher is the most chilling figure since in the genre since The Shape made his debut in Halloween. Nightmare on Elm Street is buoyed by slick performances by the kids. Weiss is a teenage a teenage Hitchcock blonde, a little league Janet Lee. Yeah. Corey's low-class lewdness is fine. <laughs> and Depp brings a charming puckishness to, to his Damn. Weisenheimer role. Yeah. Lane Camp's healthy chunkiness provides a nice counterpoint to the character at the end of her tether. What, what? the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Ruined it. No. Just because she doesn't look like a skinny blonde, sure. which but is she's the typical thing. She's, yeah. she's normal. She's yeah. normal. She's. I don't get it. She's anyway. Very pretty. Craven doesn't always seem to know how good his story is, but Nightmare on Elm Street is more than a gross-out picture. The plot itself cleverly mirrors the, ex- mirrors the experience of the genre. What are horror movies, after all, but organized nightmares? I think that also leads into how great the concept is. Yes. The concept is so great because what, I'm real- what I realized pretty early on is they don't use... You know how in some movies like this where there's a dream space essentially, there's kind of like an on-screen language for you to know where you are at certain points? Yeah, the movie, this movie doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. The only thing, the only thing it uses, and very sparingly, is the stripes of the shirt. Or fog. Oh, fog? True, 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 true. Yeah. 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 Box so, you, so you, in long story short, you never necessarily know where yes. you are. It yeah. plays with your expectation of what is real and what is not yes. real. Yes. Right? Yeah. Absolutely all the time. And they seamlessly flow into each other. They did, There's one that's later that I, that I love because it's just great. It's just okay. fantastic. We'll talk okay. about it when we talk through the scenes. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie and it seems like throwaway, but it's just fun. It's just Perfect. really fun. Okay. So box office. Nightmare opened on November 9th of 1984. Number one movie that weekend in the US was Oh God, You Devil. What? It's the third movie in a George Burns comedy series. Never been Never big on George Burns. Never heard of it. I know George Burns and I, and he's like a comedian from back in the day, but I was like, I did not know that this m- m- series of movies existed. Yeah, never heard of it. Second was The Terminator in its third week. Wow. Yep. And then a bunch of movies that, I've never heard of. Like, I was actually shocked by how many movies in the top 10 I had never heard of. So I didn't even bother writing them it's down. It's wild to me that Terminator and Freddy were at the same time. In my They're mind. They're both 1984. Yeah. In yeah. my mind, even though I know Terminator's 80s, it's 90s. Well, because of Terminator 2. Yeah. yeah. And, and with this, I picture it solidly 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nightmare opens at number 10. Wow. Behind another slasher movie. Silent Night, Deadly Night at number eight. 
I can't believe it didn't have much love when it Which came out. is nuts because tell me which fucking series you've heard of. Yeah, this right. Now, horror kids will know too. Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'm not saying that people don't know what that movie is, but the two, you two in the room, nah. which one? Yeah, no, obviously no Nightmare at Arms. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But it stuck around for another five weeks, eventually pulling in $25 million in the US. Mad. And $57 million worldwide. So it wasn't so off. Is this one of those? Guess the budget. Oh. <sighs> Who's closest, first? Closest without going over. What's what's average at this point? It's 1984. Uh, I don't know. I can't I can tell you. I'm going to say oh, three mil. Five. 1.8. 1.8? Yes. Wow. Because it... it a five five mil budget would have been usual these days, right? Uh, I think movies are starting to push into 25, 25. or 30. Maybe the average. Bu- big budget. Oh, uh, yeah, budget. okay. Now, so, but this is obviously a smaller movie. Yeah. But $1.8 million. That's incredible. That's such yeah. a small amount of money. 1.8. It is wild. And with that much makeup as well. New Line's entire studio is on the line for $1.8 million. That's incredible. Yeah. And it makes it makes almost sixty back. It wasn't it's like a block- thirty times what they put in. It wasn't a so, blockbuster hit, but it's yeah. one of those ones where people go to the cinema and then tell their friends about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so it, it feels like that kind. Yeah. Can imagine seeing this and going, that was "You have mad. to go yeah. see this. It's this movie, and this happens, and this happens. Yeah, and it's just cool. Go yeah. see it. Like because, you can see that happening. Because perfect cause, date cause movie conceptually, too. there is nothing like this. There is this movie gets lumped into the slasher category, right? Yeah. this is not a slasher movie, right? I think it's because of his hands. Because he is a he's a kid that kills teenagers. He's a guy that kills teenagers. But it is not a, it is not Michael Myers. It is not Jason Voorhees. Mm. It is not, you know, the million other generic slasher movies. It has something new and that is the dream, the dream concept. It's so good. I'm uh, like, I'm not a horror person, but I'm definitely not a slasher person. Yeah, right. We'll see how you feel once you watch the classics. The classics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, you haven't seen, have you seen either of them? I haven't, but no. I know them inside and out. <laughs> like like I thought I knew this one. I, yeah. The concept got me across the line so hard in this. Halloween stricken by John Carpenter. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th. I enjoy, but those are not good movies. Okay. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's one I love. Okay. So of the three, Freddy's my guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Freddy seems like a fucking bag like a bag of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> so it's not a blockbuster, but it's enough of a hit that New Line is like fucking new rich. And they would then make seven nightmares over the next ten years. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So it's a nightmare almost every year. Where does Freddy V. Jason sit? 2003. 2003. So, okay. So uh, long, after. long after the series is actually over. It was yeah. in development for such a ridiculously long time. Okay. I do not count it as being part of the series. Yeah, okay. Is it fun to watch? No. Okay. It's a bad, <laughs> it's a bad movie. It's terrible. Yeah, I okay. can understand how if you're a fan, like, and I am a fan. But, but I'm not also, even like. But I am also a fan that is like discerning and it is not a good movie. It's a terrible so movie. It's okay. also not a very good title because it's not really Freddy versus Jason. It's yeah. misleading. Not right until okay. the very end anyway. 
Um, and then there's a remake in 2010 that sucks so hard that I want to punch myself <laughs> in the face. <laughs> um, the rights to Nightmare have reverted. That didn't, does that still have the same? No. No. No, it's a remake remake. Yeah, so it's, it has a different it's, Freddy. It's a different Freddy, yeah. yeah. I will right. talk a little bit about. I didn't about, even know that. Uh, it's, don't, don't. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, so the rights to Nightmare have reverted back to Wes Craven's estate. Wes Craven did pass away in 2015. Sad. Which, yes, very sad. Mm. A couple of years ago, they were taking pictures. They were taking open pictures for for a new for a new nightmare movie. Okay. Was Ken the, has was a pitch. Really? I do, in fact, have a rough outline for what I would do. <laughs> wow, it's in continuity. Can we hear it? No, I, okay. I can tell you off pod. It's in continuity with the original seven. Okay, okay, yes. okay. It's an um, excellent idea. I don't want another nightmare unless Robert Englund is in it, and he has stated at this point that he is too old and too fat to be Freddy. That he is done. You reckon he is done. He is an older man. An older man. No, but I mean, like you wouldn't. No one could do it justice. Is no one has mean? done it justice. Okay, okay, okay. My realistic pitch for who should direct a new version. Mm. Brady's going to take a guess at who. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, I've told you. Oh no! Actually, I have two. I came up with the second. I, c- I can't come up with the real guess. No, it, it's the Duffer Brothers that created Stranger Things because oh. they rip off so much fucking Nightmare on Elm Street for Stranger Things. Yeah, especially season four. Season four is it. basically just Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that they should do it. Okay, honestly, they cool, should just do that's it. That's a great ball. Yeah, I yeah. actually thought you were going to go with um, what's his name from um. Oh yeah, what's his name from that thing? Uh, Haunting of House on the Mike uh, Flanagan. Yeah, Mike Flanagan would also make a great Nightmare on the Street. Yeah, movie. that's yeah. what I thought. And he is a big Nightmare fan. Uh, there's a story about when Heather Langkamp was cast in Midnight Club. Mike Flanagan gushed at her for about ten minutes about Nightmare, <laughs> and she actually said, "Okay, that's enough." <laughs> she's like, okay. You need to chill. She's dealt with that for like her almost since she was like however years old when yeah. she made that movie. She's yeah. dealt with, she's like, okay, we're done now <laughs> yeah. with that. Say less for him. It's all good. <laughs> but he let her, she let him gush for about 10 minutes. Yeah. He would also be great. The other person is Lee Jeniak who directed the Fear Street trilogy. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. She would be, she would make a great nightmare movie. She's actually married to one of the Duffer brothers. Ah. Yeah. Well, they could all team up. The, the, yeah, it could be. The they could produce. Yeah, my backstory with a nightmare on Elm Street. Now we have mm. talked a little bit about this on the pod, on the pod before. Okay, but I'm gonna say Carly. No. No. Okay. No. From this movie, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about about Freddy kind of moving forward, not from the results of this movie, but from the results of the, sure. the sequels moving forward. Freddy essentially became a pop cultural icon, the same level that like. It's wild. Like, it's the level of, like, Marvel characters today, right? Yeah. Like, he was everywhere. He was on fucking lunchboxes. There was a phone number you could call to talk to Freddy. I will have cut in the <laughs> ad here. You thought you killed me. Freddy Krueger will never die. I'm closer than you think. Just a phone call away. Dial this number and prepare to be scared. And I'm always around everywhere so dial this number now if you dare join the freddy fan club freddy krueger has a special message just for you a dollar fifty for the first minute 35 cents each additional minute and i've talked about this before but i was obsessed with freddy from a very young age like literally just the colors of his shirt are iconic yes did you bring in your story no, I didn't bring. So uh, that's what I'm about to talk about next is, so when I was in year one in school. <gasps> that's right. Yeah. So I was six-ish, seven-ish. 
In my creative writing book, I wrote a story called A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 Freddy's Revenge, which is the actual title of the second <laughs> film, in which Freddy kills my mother, <laughs> Freddy and I become friends, and we go on adventures together. Can I just say, what does he need revenge from after the first movie? Oh, he- <laughs> you'll find out. You should okay. definitely let us know if you would like Keehan to read this on the pod next episode. <laughs> Mini pod. How my mother didn't get a phone call. I know. I, I've, even, honestly, I've even asked her whether she did because I feel like not even just her parenting style, but like just so you know, your son's writing stories about Freddy Krueger. Is this the about 80s? a serial? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the teachers would have been like laughing about it while they're smoking a durry. Out in the, back. the same in the, <laughs> in the same book, are stories about gremlins. Yeah. Gremlins being my friends, me having a pet mogwai, mogwai being my my gizmo yeah. being my buddy. And about me being a ghostbuster. I honestly think because adults seeing that would go, you have good taste. And a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think, did you have a cool teacher? I don't remember. In year one. I actually don't remember my year one. In year one. I'm an, I'm very, yeah, that's the thing. He's I'm a in very year one. old man. I do not remember my year one teacher. He's, he's, year he's one. in year one. He's like seven. Yeah, that's classic. Six, probably six, six, six yeah. or seven, yeah. yeah. That is so I just feel funny. like there should have been a phone call. I feel like the teachers dropped the ball on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. As is often the case with, with horror series, uh, I didn't see the first movie until I was much, much older. Which movie did you see first? I definitely, so... Nightmare 2, Freddy's Revenge? Well, <laughs> I guess so, right? No, my first memory of is of Nightmare 4. Uh, I have a story about about Nightmare 4, but I'm going to save it for when we cover Nightmare 4. Sure. But that's the first one I really, rem- I really remember. Are we doing all of them now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see Nightmare 1 until it came out on DVD. Oh, right. Yeah. In the early days of home video, a store got a tape. And DVD. When that, and when that, just shut up and let me tell my sorry, story. Sorry. We're already almost an hour into this. Let me tell my story and then you can interrupt me. You fuck. It's nice to be back. Love you. It's actually really nice. Yeah, how nice back with this the nice. <laughs> You're doing real good. Thanks. <laughs> Things come out on home video. Home video starts really properly in 1984, 85. Yeah. So the tape is... 10 years old when I go to, when I'm old enough to go to a video store and rent yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So nobody around here has the first movie because the tapes get yeah. worn out, tapes get chewed. Video stores didn't used to replace tapes all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an old movie. Why would we get an old movie back? So movie, tapes just lasted until they died in video stores. Wow. Right? There was no way for me to see the original Nightmare before it came out on DVD. I was an adult. Right. Yeah. It was the only one. It was such a, for, it was a massive. Now, this is like uh, more than 20 years ago now that I've like, it's saw It's such it, an integral it's, part of your like but, love. But well, the he's first, seen the other ones. I've seen all the other ones yeah, over and over and over and over again. I just didn't have access to the to the first one. Okay. Yeah. You must have seen Nightmare 2 Freddy's Revenge at the point where you're writing stories about it and calling it that. I, maybe I just need a cover from the video maybe. store. Sure. I did spend a lot of time in the video store. Yeah. The cover is pretty iconic. Or your dad let you watch it and you just don't remember. Oh, my, def- oh, my father just rented it and was like, here. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. That is wild to watch it in year one. So I saw the other ones hundreds upon hundreds yeah. of times. I've watched this, rewatched this series probably, I, I can't even tell you. Yeah. This is my favorite movie series of all time. Wow, that's a big call. It I is. Can, 
That is a big one. I could see this being a Cl- great movie series. Close second is the Alien movies, mm. right? Wow. But this stands above for me. Ellie will fight you over that. I know. I think we're I know we're that, an alien household. Yeah, I'm an alien household. Come on, I'm an alien household. No, too. but like over, so over I understand the, that. Well, yeah. I hadn't seen it, so true, true, true. <laughs> I understand that, but but I didn't see anything that would make me switch, though. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, I, you know what? I have no expectation that you will. Be I grew up with it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Of it course, is, it's just I like this more than Alien. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to watch the next ones. Yeah. I like Alien. Don't get me wrong. Don't come for me or anything. But <laughs> I, I mean, um, but I, mean Ridley. I will yeah. say that I could definitely see the terrible Nightmare on Elm Streets being better than the terrible Aliens. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although there's only, again, I don't count the Versus movies. There's only one. Yeah, there's only one I don't like. Is um, it three or four that? Four. I don't like four. four I love three. Yeah. I'm hardcore for three. Is three three is the one people the prison? Ha- yes. Three I, I one, love the prison. Three is controversial within the alien community. Yeah, I like it <laughs> because of the way that that movie starts. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. I don't care about Newt. Yeah, um, neither. I'm not an autograph guy, but thanks to Kira, I own a Freddy Krueger glove. Aww. With Robert Anglin's signature. Yeah, that was a that. good day. That was a good night. That's a good night. <laughs> what do you mean? We went to. You actually got it. We went. I to, suggested we buy it. Yeah. yeah. So we went to a um, an event. It was a like a end of year dinner for a, for a local sporting organization. They had an auction. One of the things on auction was this glove with you know display that case sound like with, good signed by by Freddie. It was very expensive, and Kira said, "I mean, you have to have it." Yeah, you kind of do. And then she paid for it. Yep. <laughs> Fuck, that's boss. We won, were the only people that bid on it. Yeah. We, and we I kept an eye on it, though. <laughs> that's an boss. And, and, I, and I told them what my upper limit was <laughs> in case someone else did bid on it. Fuck. But we got it, yeah. I own original one-sheet posters. Yes. From these movies, not the first one, because that's, again, too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I could watch Nightmare at the Drop of a Hat. I watched this movie many times this week. <laughs> this is an you should have kept easy count. rewatch. Yeah. yeah. Easy so rewatch. Sources for this uh, podcast. Wait, I have a question. Yeah, <laughs> you watched it many times this week. Do you count each of those individual viewings as your letterbox watching them of a movie? No. What I've done for letterbox, it depends on whether or not for letterbox, I have to be sitting down and watching the movie to just watch the movie. Okay. If I am watching the movie to do notes, that doesn't count. If I'm watching the movie to the a second time to think about the way that scenes are put together and pull things apart, that does not count. Does not count. Okay. I only log on Letterbox. I did occasionally when we first started. I would log things as many times as I saw it, and then it's just like you just mm. you just bumping your stats, dude. Yeah. So I uh, so I stopped myself from doing that. So usually now I only log a movie 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 once for the pod. Yeah, right. For the because okay. yeah, that's the only time I'm really watching it. Watching it because he takes his stats on Letterbox very seriously. <laughs> In terms of how many movies he's seen in a year. So I was curious whether yeah. it counts or not. Wait yeah, till we get okay. to the end of the year. It's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so sources for this episode. There is an incredible, it's like f- more than five hours. It's so long. Making of the whole series. Really? I'd watch that. Where they go movie by movie. You can't watch it until, until we have seen all of them. Okay. Called yeah. Never Sleep Again. It's from 2010. If you dig these movies, it is fucking essential. The fucking making of would be fascinating for this. There is some practical shit in this movie that I really want to talk yeah. about. I think the first time we went through this, he would show me the making of 
for that movie and then stop it. Yeah, we watched it in chunks. Yeah. 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 So there's about, they do about 40 minutes on the original Nightmare. Okay. And it's a good time. I also, um, there's a a pretty okay commentary. It's not very particularly insightful. That's from the Laserdisc that ended up (laughs) on me, which is hilarious. They talk about how good the movie looks because it's going to be on Laserdisc (laughs) um, that I have on an old uh, DVD box set. Uh, I've never upgraded to (laughs) Blu-ray. And I read an undated version of the screenplay, but it read to me like a shooting draft. Okay. So it might be the version they use from production. It's pretty spot on to the finished finish movie. Not a lot of, I will talk about some stuff that's cut, but not a lot this week. Cool. There was a disappointing moment this week when Kean realized that he couldn't watch one of his versions of Nightmare because it's regional. I've got a, <laughs> uh, my box set of Nightmare on DVD yeah. is British. And so it's fucking region locked and I don't have a region free DVD player anymore. So I put it in, put the disc into my Xbox and it was like, oh, I can't play this. Surely there's like, some way around that. Not on an Xbox. If you have wow. a, a DVD player, yeah. I and I do have a DVD player, yeah. but step downstairs and I don't have the remote, so I can't hack it. And that's all. Yeah. Thing. Noise. It was I very disappointing it. because obviously all, all the DVDs have way more like special features and commentaries and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, true. Although I think the commentaries are on the Blu-ray. I just don't own just don't don't own the Blu-ray. Yeah. That's one that we need to get on 4K. It doesn't exist on 4K. What? We're waiting for the 4K box set. I was oh. literally about to talk about it. Oh, really? Yeah. What I will say is that all of these movies are so well covered. We are in such well covered ground for this mm. episode that if you're a fan of the Nightmare movies, I guarantee you I'm not telling you anything new. If you're into these movies, people that are into these yeah. movies are wild for them. What I will say is that is that the two other people sitting in this room know quite a bit less. So it's more about I educating know them. Kira knows Kira knows probably a lot. Mm. But um because I can't help myself. Um but yeah. If you want to watch this movie, it's fucking everywhere. You can you can rent it digitally pretty much everywhere. In Australia it's on binge. If you've got binge, you're in I watched it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Did you watch with Ellie? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, she loved it. Yeah, cool. Uh, there's been rumors of a 4K box set for years, forever. We're on board for that. Oh, Do yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, I need it. Put it in me. <laughs> Get in my belly. Yeah, sure. Uh, shall we talk our way through the motion picture experience that is a Nightmare on Elm Street? Let's yes, do it. please. We open with a man building something at a workbench as the credits roll. It is, in fact... Freddy building his clothes. What is he building in there? What is he building in there? <laughs> oh my God. What is he building in there? What could it be? What is he building in there? <laughs> Brody doesn't know Brody what doesn't I'm know talking what about. making a joke. We're making a reference to a Tom Waits song that, oh. our, that our son is a big fan of. He's a huge fan of <laughs> this. He's a huge fan of What is he building in there? What's he building in there? That hook light on the stairs. What's he building in there? I'll tell you one thing, he's not building a playhouse for the children. Already a fan of Tom Waits. Fucking yep. yeah. got good taste. I'm doing this right. Yeah. <laughs> no Can wiggles, just, just Tom Waits. <laughs> no wiggles, all Tom Waits. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. Can Step I, right up, kid. <laughs> no wiggles, all seven psychopaths. <laughs> Is this Freddy alive building something? We don't know. Uh, right, it's, just, okay. it's just Atmos. It's for the credits. Okay. So this isn't even this isn't even Robert England. It's it's one of the FX guys. Uh, I have all second. That this unit. is how it started, how and it so the so it being sort of the box. Yeah, it's in a the, it's a picture and picture, in picture and picture, and yeah. I was like, oh, is this the right like? Uh, and that the we this was not going to be a good no. time. Yeah. <laughs> so, from the screenplay, a man's hand slips into a glove-like apparatus 
filling it out and transforming it into an awesome deadly claw hand with four razor talons gleaming at its blackened fingertips. Suddenly the hand arches and strikes forward, slashing through a dark canvas, tearing it to, to shreds. I have to talk about score up front. Yeah. Composed by Charles Bernstein. The theme is so iconic. The theme is so iconic that it's used through the entire series. Even though he didn't work on any of the other movies, they retained the score, which is also not something that really happens in slashes, except for, of course, Halloween. Yeah. Our son does not like the score the of this score movie. Of no, this I freaked movie. him out a little bit. I can the, tell you the, who did. Because this opening score is like the only thing that's happening at this bit in this scene. Yeah. I was watching it with, with him and he was like awake and watching and he seemed fine. And then the music sort of started really going. Yeah. And he cried like in a I'm afraid of this and then because it's yeah, scary he got worse and worse I ended up because Keen was downstairs I called Keen and was like yeah your son doesn't like this it <laughs> is okay, he'll learn the, he'll learn to like it the <laughs> music all throughout this mu- movie is so fucking good mm-hmm. yeah I, no, I love it it creeps out a five month old oh, it's, <laughs> it creeps me out it was so good so Bernstein wanted to create a melody that he could use in lots of different ways yeah. so one of the things that Nightmare does is they reuse the same theme over and over again with uh. different like different arrangements and instrumentation and it is incredible it, through the whole series it's just it's it's and it's all throughout horror, but like because this especially, it's incredible what one note held can yeah. do to you. Yeah. And also, this is there's no orchestra. This is him on a synth because oh, they can't afford mad. an orchestra. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Right. Tina Gray, a strong girl of fifteen and a thin night shift, moves towards us down a dark concrete corridor. That's from the script. Tina's played by Amanda Weiss. Um, we saw her already. In Fast Times at Ridgemont High, she is Brad's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. In Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I always remember her as being John Cusack's ex-girlfriend in Better Off Dead. Uh. (laughs) As she runs around, we hear a creepy voice calling her name. The lamb. Just random lamb running across the hallway, barring. It's like fucking amazing. Yeah. Just like weirdness to be creepy, right? She ends up in a boiler room, and in that boiler room is stalked by a man with razor fingers. Yeah. It just fucking it just fucking comes straight in, hey. Yeah. It does not fuck about this movie yep. at all. This boiler room, I think it's Lincoln Heights Jail. It's Lincoln Heights Jail or Boyle Heights Jail. Craven gets confused in the commentary and then gets him again corrected. And when I wrote it down, I thought I wrote down the right one, but now I'm questioning myself. (laughs) So it's either one of those two things. Um, This boiler room was condemned a few years later because of all the asbestos insulating the pipes. Oh, Oh, fuck. Uh, Craven also shot this location for his movie Shocker, which we have rejected off this list. I'm actually kind of thankful that this is our first Craven. Mm. I feel like we're doing Craven right. One fun game we're going to play throughout this entire series as we cover other movies is spotting Rachel Talley's credit. Do you guys remember Rachel Talley? She directed Ghost in the Machine. All right. Right. And Tanko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Ah. She started in New Line and worked her way up. I know this story. So she is credited on every single Nightmare movie. Interesting. She's not in the opening credits of this movie. It's the only one she's not in the opening credits of. Ah. But she was an assistant production manager on this movie. Wow. So as we talk about Nightmare movies. Her title goes up. Her title, <laughs> her title goes up until her title says directed by. Fuck yeah. Tina spots the man and runs away from him in weird motion because it's a dream. Yeah. 
The running in this film is pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. It is a little good. Again, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's stuff very that's like, there's horror, some stuff that is running. Well, she's in. She's pretending to be in slow motion because oh, yeah, Freddie's yeah, chasing yeah. her. So that, that's what I mean. There is some stuff that is like ambitious that now plays a little go- little goofy. She hides, and then the man pops up from behind her. She wakes up screaming. Her mother checks in on her, and Tina has four slashes down the front of her mm. nightgown. This scream is what did it for our son. When he, when it got to the scream part, that was when he was like not having it, and it I was, was a like, bit of I had, a blood to, had, to, had to put him to sleep so that I could watch the rest of the movie. Yeah, her mother's gentleman caller asks her if she's coming back to bed. Yeah, <laughs> he's so creepy. He's so gross. Her mum is the best throughout and the whole film. I fucking love whatever that actor is doing. <laughs> right, and uh, she tells Tina, "Tina, honey, you gotta cut your fingernails. You gotta stop that kind of dreaming." <laughs> one or the other. Yeah. The next day, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. fucking beautifully creepy. Yeah. Whoever wrote that, that is a good day so the, at the fucking word factory. The rhyme is from Craven. The arrangement of it was Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend. Oh, wow. <laughs> who then taken by Charles Bernstein, who who added the music the music to it. Sure. Yeah. We, so are those four girls always in the dream as well? That imagery will definitely hold. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. I feel like the song is less singy in this version. Sure, yeah. I think I feel like it's more sing song in, in like the, it, Dream Warriors and ones that sequels. I know better. I feel like it gets like I don't know faster or something. Yeah, probably the speed changes. Mm. It is quite slow in this. So this is the iconic rhyme yes. from from this series, and this is the first time we're hearing it as four little girls in white dresses skip a rope. So we dolly over to Tina, Nancy and Glenn pulling up in front of a school in Glenn's sweet convertible ride. I'm going to talk about Glenn in a second. Teenagers always drive convertibles in the 80s. (laughs) But first I need to talk about this shot because there's a lot going on in this shot that neither of you probably noticed. I didn't pay attention to the camera work really at all. So this shot was achieved using a brand new piece of technology. Right, The speed aperture computer. Okay. Okay. Why, you say? Well, because that box computer that was attached to the camera allowed the camera in shot to go from slow motion to real time. Oh. Which is not a thing that always existed. Right. And also from the image being diffused with a filter to make it glowy and dreamlike to it not being diffused. Oh, it did, didn't it? I did notice that. Yes. Hectic. So that took like six people hanging off the camera and a box computer in a in a box in order to achieve that. So that is like brand new technology. How do you go from the filter to the clean look with? So that? there's a it basically just like there's a mechanism that pulls it out in a way that you don't that you don't see it. That's fascinating. Yeah, uh, and yes, Glenn is Johnny Depp. Let's just deal with the Johnny Depp of it all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right now this is his first movie. This oh, is really? introducing Johnny Depp. He 
besides all of his like personal life and who he is. Yeah, before he was tragically transformed into a being of pure hat and scarf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And how and dubious moral. We don't concerns. need to talk. Yeah, about yeah, that. we don't. Know. Um, he did a really good job. He was really fucking good. Yeah, he was a really good actor before he wore yeah. hats. Yeah, <laughs> before he wore hat. Yeah. Before he was just playing one character. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't really an actor when he made this movie. Really? He was a musician in a band. That's right. That's right. true. I knew that. When his actor friend convinced him to tag along to an audition and he ended up ultimately getting the role. I'll talk a little bit who more about that. Who was the actor now. friend? Yeah. That friend was Jackie Earl Haley, oh, who I had been that. a child actor in like the Bad News Bears in like the 70s. Yeah. Okay. He plays Freddy in the remake. Oh, oh really? Hectic. Yeah. Which, that's random. He's fucking terrible at it, but that's fine. <laughs> it's not his fault. It is his fault. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Depp's character was written as a jock, like a very traditional square-shouldered large super jock. come off it. And so they keep aspects of it, but he also just brings that kind of a little bit more soft boy to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when it was down to four actors, Depp included, Craven asked his teen daughter and a friend, which of these boys do you think is good for the role? That's a good <laughs> way to do instantly it. instantly picked Johnny Depp. Instantly yep. picked well, he's Johnny Depp. Adorable. Dad. He is adorable. Craven was like, "Why?" And their response was, "Dad, he's beautiful." <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. I'm also going to talk uh, quickly now about setting. This movie is meant to be set in the American Midwest. Okay. Later films will name the town as Springwood, Ohio. Right. The word Springwood is not in the screenplay for this movie. It is not said in the movie whatsoever. It doesn't there's feel like that comes, There's something yeah. that comes later. Well, that's it's shot in LA. Yeah, it feels like yeah. California. Yeah. yeah. This school is in Silver Lake in LA and a bunch of movies are shot there. Rebel Without a Course. Uh, it's the high school sense. from Pretty in Pink, the John Hughes movie. Ah. Uh, the Buffy movie uses this high school. That's probably where okay. I know. And Gross Point Blank, the John Cusack movie, where he's an assassin. I'll tell you what's wild. I never thought about it, but there was so many kids that would have their high schools on <laughs> TVs and films from there. Leonardo DiCaprio went to this high school. Heck yeah. <laughs> this is his high school in Silver Lake. Yeah. The backfields of this high school are the backfields used in the movie Grease. Hey. Ah. Yes. The kids talk about Tina's dream. When I woke up, it seemed like you were still in the room with me. Sounds like a real boogeyman. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. And that's what it reminded me of, that old jump rope song. It was the worst nightmare I ever had. You wouldn't believe it. Matter of fact, I had a bad dream last night myself. Catching up with them is Rod Lane, Tina's boyfriend. Mm. He enters with the immortal line. I had a heart on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. There's four letters in my name, Rod. How could there be room on your joint for four letters? <laughs> that was so good. Already through conversation that they've started to kind of filter in that they may have been also dreaming of him. Uh, we're, we're getting there in a, in, a, okay. in a second. So let me just talk quickly about Rod. So Rod is played by Nick Corey, not his real name. Mm. His agent gave him that name. His real name is Jesus Garcia. Aha. Right? He was Latino pretending to be Italian because in 1984, mm. they didn't cast Latinos in movies unless they were playing very particular types of roles. Yeah. Yep. So he had to pretend to be Italian. He had to pretend to be Italian. Mm. He is also battling a very serious drug abuse problem through the entire production of this movie, mm. and you can tell in certain scenes. Okay. It affects his performance 100%. He himself admits that it affects his performance. He is a little, he is out of the four, not as good as the other three. Yes. He 
insults them and then takes off and then takes off and they keep talking. We find out that mm. they all had bad dreams. Yeah. We haven't connected that it's all the same dream yet, but they've all been having bad dreams. Maybe we're going to have another big earthquake. They say things get weird just before that. I will talk about earthquakes and Nightmare on Elm Street when we cover a different Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Okay. Yep. Set up. <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. I know. Nancy and Glenn are staying at Tina's for the night because she had a bad dream yeah. and be- her mum is away. Glenn is allowed to stay because his parents think that he's staying at his cousin's place near the airport. Yes. Rod gave fantastic. him a tape I love of it. planes landing to help him out. Yeah, out here at Barry's. Huh? Yeah, noisy as usual. <laughs> Glad we don't live here, huh? Yeah, Aunt Eunice says hello. Right, right, I'll call you in the morning. Yeah, yeah, sure, I... Just some kids drag racing outside, I think, Mom. <laughs> Listen, Mom, I gotta go. I think there's been an accident out front. No! 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 Right. Right, I'll call the police. Right, I'll call the police. Uh, no, just some neighbors having a fight, I guess. I'm fine. I love Nancy's delivery of... Work like a charm. Smooth. <laughs> I, yeah, throughout these two scenes, Nancy's so charismatic. Yeah. I really like this scene. I'm surprised she wasn't the lead. I, really, I really like this scene well, for setting up the dynamic and the... She's the lead. Nancy's the lead of this movie. Sorry, Tina. Tina. <laughs> oh, Tina. Okay, yeah. Good, Tina good, is good. very charismatic. Confused. Yeah. Yes. The, three, the three of them are really great together. Yeah. They feel like real teenagers. Also, in a way that slasher movies don't have, feel like they have real teenagers in yeah. them. Are they, they not feel teenagers? Like real, they feel They're like, not teenagers. They feel like real teenagers and they feel like real friends in this scene. Yeah. It's, it's cute. They actually look like teenagers. Oh, that blew me out for a sec. How old are they? Do you have that on your little... Heather is 18. I'm not quite sure how old Amanda Vice was, but probably about the same age. And then I think Johnny Depp is slightly older than mine. I think he's like, like 21 20. or 22. Okay. Also, do you guys remember like doing that where you'd like snuck off and you had to check in and like had friends yep. make sounds like far away and well, stuff? I do. Yeah. <laughs> you make friends make noises far away to... Or like you, you like set things up so it like makes you sound believable like while you're on the phone and stuff. No. No, 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 never had that. Okay. (laughs) They return to dream talk and we find out that Tina and Nancy both dreamed about... I dreamed about a guy in a dirty red and green sweater. Well, what about the fingernails? Oh, he scraped his fingernails a lot of things. Actually, they were more like finger knives or something, something he'd made himself. But they made a horrible sound. Nancy, you dreamed about the same creep I did. In the screenplay. Even thinking about that sound makes you go. Yeah, it does. It's real. The whole series. Mm. Get used to it. In the screenplay, it's red and yellow, and it was switched to red and green. Why those colors? Because those two colors are hard to see visually next to each other. Our brain doesn't like those two colors. Really? Red and green. green. Red and green at Christmas. Yeah, I know. But like, yeah. Dirty, dark versions of it. I love it. <laughs> Cut from the script is a couple of lines of Nancy's that are just kind of interesting. She expands on like what he did in the dream, what Freddie yeah. did. She says, he walked into the room I was in right through the wall like it was smoke or something and just stared at me sort of obscenely. Then he walked out through the wall on the other side like he'd just come to check me out. 
That's kind of cool. That's a good line, I right? Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Most of what's cut is like it's like just there's a little bit extra exposition. You learn some stuff earlier than you did than you do yeah. in the actual movie, and I I don't think you miss any of it. But that is just a really great description. Mm. Like that just sets up the the yeah. It this sets movie, up how yeah, creepy yeah. he is. Yeah. This movie moves at some pace as well. It's by the 90 way, ninety minutes. Yeah. yeah. And the sc- the they screenplay just straight into everything. The screenplay is a hundred and twelve pages, so closer to which uh, there's the there's a general rule one minute one page. Yeah. Not every movie follows that. Yeah. Never mind. But not a lot was cut out. Not there's like scene wise, there's maybe one or two, maybe three scenes. Yeah. Sometimes they would he would trim the beginnings of things out, so scenes start a little bit later, but. Not None of it is particularly, yeah. particularly, and none of it's like really feels missing, like yeah. the way that we have talked about other other movies. But I will highlight a couple of things that are just interesting. But it's not even just a, a quick movie. There's no like lead up to it. It's mm-hmm. just launched straight into it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Horror movies are kind of like that sometimes, though. Yeah. You know, anything non Cronenberg is kind of yeah. Cronenberg is the exception to the rule. <laughs> and last year we watched a lot of John Carpenter horror, mm. which is a very particular style because it's all John Carpenter. Yeah, boy. Recently we've watched two David Cronenberg movies. That's a very particular style of horror. Yes. This is more like what horror is. I can't believe like. we haven't done any other Wes Craven. That blows me out. Well, I was saving it. So <laughs> they hear a screech from outside and then they all go to check. Mm. I do like them pushing him forward. Yeah. yeah. Two of them pushing him forward. <laughs> it's like they're... they're- it's like you're supposed to protect them, but you, you, tiny Johnny Depp isn't going to be able yeah. to protect them from it's anything. It's like it makes sense if he was a big jock guy, but he's yeah. a big jock yeah. guy. <laughs> Glenn goes out into the backyard and acts tough. I'm going to punch your ugly lights out, whoever you are. In the script, this is this is just a fun turn of phrase here that I that I like that was cut out. Mm. Um, in the script, he he says it's just a stupid cat. And Nancy replies, then bring us back his tail and whiskers. Yes, that's mad. It's just a, I just would liked the way that that sounded on a page, right? That's so good. So it's Rod in the backyard. He tackles Glenn and then acts like, he, you know, he's got a touchdown out of the dark. Hmm. He has a garden trowel that he was using to scratch on the window as a tool. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the commentary, Wes Craven's like, oh, I've still got that trowel. <laughs> Wes Craven apparently is a bit of a hoarder. He, nice. he kept the he kept the costuming from this movie for like ten years after the movie, yeah. was, movie was finished. I mean, I would. Yeah, mm. Rod is uh, particularly obscene. He wants to know why he wasn't invited to the orgy. <laughs> yeah, he then pulls a fucking switchblade on Glenn when Glenn claps back at him. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it it's, was. I understand the motivation. The motivation is to make Rod seem like he's dangerous and like he could have killed Tina. Yeah, right. To create doubt in the in I guess not in the audience's mind, but in but in like Nancy's yeah. mind, yeah. Maybe make it make sense it. for her. To yeah, big, but big it is a, but it. it is a little bit much. Nancy ends up talking him down. He finds out that that Tina's mum is in fact not home, and then tells them that he and Tina have his have her mother's bed, and they have the rest of the house. Mm. Glenn goes to make a move on Nancy, and she shuts him down because they're there for Tina, not themselves. Mm. Yeah, all I can say is like. Tough luck, buddy. Tough luck. Yeah. Glenn listens as Tina and Rod bone so loudly. Yeah. Just unrealistic for a teenager. It's it's kind of obnoxious. (laughs) Yeah. This is based on a real thing that happened to Craven on his first night away from home at college. (laughs) Where he, as a a virgin, lay in bed listening to other people have sex. (laughs) Post-sex. 
Tina and Rod kind of make up. No more fights, no more nightmares for either of them because he had one too. Mm. Nancy yeah, is- boys, because guys can have nightmares, nightmares too, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nancy is sleeping in Tina's bed. The cross on the wall above the bed falls, waking her. Tina wakes to the sound of something hitting the window outside. She tries to wake up Rod, but he's out. And then we hear a voice call- Tina. When she looks out into the backyard, it's empty, but something hits the window and cracks it. You guys notice what's in the window? No. No. It's such a fucking great detail and nobody ever talks about it. It looked like a bit of the glass was just chipped out. No, no, no. Embedded in the window is a human tooth. Shut the fuck up. How did I miss that? It's because it's white and the crack is white. That's clean. It's a human tooth. Freddie is throwing human teeth at the window. (laughs) That is fucking clean. Yeah. Also, I want to slap Tina for what she's about to do. Back with Nancy. From the screenplay. Yeah. Just above her head, something presses against the surface from the inside. Oh, yeah. The plaster bulges out as if suddenly elastic, taking the shape of the thing pressing from inside taking the shape of a man's face. The knives rake through the surface. It's him pressing into their reality. Mm. It is incredible. She yeah, wakes it's up. one of my favourites. Puts the cross back up on the wall and knocks on the wall. Now, this is like a famous thing, right? Yes. I've heard of this trick this where it's like, like a latex wall. It's spandex, yeah. Spandex. So they replace the wall with a piece of framed spandex, and that is Jim Doyle, who is the special effects supervisor for the movie, pressing through. And then when she goes to knock on it, they put it's, a board behind it, Well, it's right? just the real wall. It's not one shot. There's a cut. Oh, is there? Yeah, it plays in your head like it's a. there's a close-up of her in between. I didn't even notice. So they just put the real wall back. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, the the set wall back because of the inside. Is it? This it's is so clean. Whoever figured out that trick, it's been and it's been genius. It's one of it's the so simple, and it's yeah. just the the way that what's incredible about it is that and what makes it work is uh, Jack Haken's lighting because it's a looks like yeah. a flat wall, and then when when Freddie presses through the shadow and the shape. Helps comes with out the, form, so the well. form, yeah. Yeah, it makes um, it still feel like it's real as well. Mm-hmm. I wonder what this felt like back in the day because you know how like when we see things that we can't believe a little bit, it's like, oh, there would have been a little bit of CGI help there and like we can almost be like. There is a CGI, CGI version of this. There is a C- They do CGI bullshit of this in Freddy vs. Freddy vs. Yeah, Jason. right? But and it looks fucking this, terrible. Seeing <laughs> this like when it first comes out, yeah. are you just like, how the fuck did they do that? You know, like your mind bends when you yeah. see that kind of stuff. Tina heads into the backyard. This is the thing that you don't like. Oh, she I goes fucking outside. can't believe she goes outside. At least put on pants. It's a dream. <laughs> She's not wearing pants. Uh, the voice is still calling her name. She goes into the alleyway behind the house. The house, the inside and out in the alleyway, all one location because this is a low budget movie. They, have mm. very, they do have sets, but they have very few sets. It's in Venice. In California, which in the 1980s is still dagger territory. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, guys, 
Such a badass. What are those guys trying to prove anyway? Is that why there's all these little back streets? Is that? Yeah, yeah I kind of. Yeah, right. Cool. It's, it's Dogtown, man. Yeah. It's where it's uh it's where Hank Moody lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad. Okay. Yeah. From the script. A sharp crank of metal, and 50 feet down the alley, the lid of an ash can rolls from the dark like a huge tin coin and spirals noisily down. Despite herself, she comes over and touches it. The next moment, the exact same shambling man from her nightmare staggers into view 50 feet behind her. Tina falls back into the shadows. He starts scraping the steel fingernails along a cinder block wall, orange sparks spread out. His arms elongate until they reach from one side of the alley to the other, and Tina is cut off from her home. I love this scene. You do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you're probably going to say that the stretchy arms. Yeah, they're pretty goofy. They they might be something that might have been a reach and didn't quite pull off. Yeah. But this, I feel. Is, the imagery is still amazing. The way I read this is this is that slight lean into comedy that makes it creepy. Yeah, again, you know the what comedy I mean? thing I don't understand. Yeah. It's meant to be it's meant to be surrealist imagery that is that is creepy. And I think that it's goofy because it's a bunch of grips standing on roofs with fishing poles holding giant arms. See, for, for <laughs> someone who knew, knows where the franchise like dips into in the future, mm-hmm. right? It does dip into comedy a little bit in the future, right? And I knew that going in. Yeah. So my read of this scene is just them using a little bit of the dreamscape and how things can be weird and silly in a dream to so fold into that horror element, you know? What I will tell you now is that one thing Wes Craven is not a fan of in this series is how much humor gets brought into the movies over Really? Time. This movie is meant to be serious, dude. I, I love the angle of the comedy a little bit. Like, that's okay. one of the reasons why I found myself enjoying it so much. Yeah, I think the movie's meant to be fun. I don't think the movie's meant to be comedic. <sighs> Fascinating. Okay. I thought the stretchy arms was going to be one of those things that pulled you out of it. No, I loved it. might have been the it. thing that you were against in it, but mm. it's good that you liked it. Fully on board with it. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, let's fucking fold our arms up fucking 10 metres. Yeah, it's one of those things where Brody's either going to buy in or hate <laughs> it at this point is kind yeah. of what my, what yeah. my thoughts were. Mm-hmm. The Sparks, it's a classic. The battery attached to the glove. Car battery attached to the glove. Love that. <laughs> Love that. It just seems so dangerous. It does. Really dangerous. Yeah. Tina says, Please, God. This is God. <laughs> he holds up, again, from the screenplay, he holds up his steel-tipped hand like a surgical steel spider. Mm. Tina runs for her life. So we get our first look at Freddie's kind of face here. Yeah. So David Miller is the makeup artist who designed the makeup, and he said that his inspiration was real burn victims yeah. and also pepperoni pizza. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he was he was literally eating pizza, and he started, like, stretching the cheese and then, like, putting the pepperoni under it, and that is where the texture of his face, his face comes from. You know how I read the just- face? Fantastic. I read the face as yes, the skin is burnt, but all the open wounds. Yeah. I read it as him just were him like touching his face with his glove as he would normally. He's, he's real like he doesn't care. <laughs> he's real gooey in this one. Yeah. He gets less gooey over time. Okay. And uh I like the gooey. Yeah, yeah. I I love this. So Freddie chases her down an alleyway. 
It's not Robert Englund chasing her down that alleyway. It is the a very short stuntman. <laughs> the running is who also is running bow legged. Yes, thank it you. It is not good. They were still working out the kinks. Yeah, this is pretty early on in production. Again, another thing that I was like, they're just going for it, and it's fun, no, and like I'll start saying fun instead of comedy. Yep. But yeah, listen, I, I'm glad that you enjoyed the, enjoyed the movie. Uh, this is not meant to be funny. Okay. It's, just not. it's not the read. It's, it's just the not read. the read. It's fine though. En- yeah. Enjoy it. Okay. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> in the backyard, she runs past uh, a tree and then the man, because in the screenplay, he has not been called Freddy yet. He's referred to as the man, the burnt man, the scarred man. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. So like, it, in, 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 like even for his, for his like, dialogue, right. he's not called Freddy. The in screenplay. the script. And yeah. then later he gets called. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. It's so because fucking brilliant. The screenplay is reading like the movie, which is how it should be written. Yeah. And okay. can I can I just say, like, in terms of like show don't tell, I love how they barely tell any any of yeah. Freddie. It's just like there's this thing you gotta deal with. Yeah. So she I mean, passes they're in a dream, so it's easier to do that. Yeah. She passes by the tree and then Freddie impossibly jumps out from behind it. Yes. Yeah, and so then he good. cuts his own fingers off and green goo spits out. So spits good. Out this is not a split screen shot. Him jumping out from behind the tree, you would be like, oh, it's just a split screen, right? Is it an edit? It's not a split screen. It's a beam splitter. Talk about a piece Sorry? of fucking obsolete ancient technology. A beam it's splitter. It's a beam splitter. It is a device that is put on the front of the camera, on the in front of the lens. And England is actually at a right angle to the camera on a blacked out background. Now you've lost me. So it's a prism. Oh. It's a mirror. Right. It's, it splits light. So it takes light from over there. I'm, t- I'm using my hands to yeah, this yeah. is terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then it puts that light into the lens. Yeah. Right. So England is on a, bla- a black background. Yeah. And then when he jumps into frame on camera, he jumps from behind the tr- tree. A very thin tree. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of similar to like a Pepper's ghost effect. You've ever heard of a Pepper's ghost effect? It's how they create the holograms, those like holograms of, of dead people that show up at yes, concerts. Yes, yes, I know that's, that, yeah. That's just a pe- what's called a Pepper's ghost. Yeah. Or these days they use a lot of projection. It's like a dome and then you put light into it, yeah. It's a, kind of essentially, yeah. Oh, that's cool I, st- I still it can't figure cool. out how this works, but I think I understand. So the only thing that's being, he's on a black background because then the only thing that's being exposed is him, right? So therefore the background is see-through. Is see-through. Because it's, oh, because it's black. Okay, yeah. I would have to see it work. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll draw your diagram one day. Okay. He chases her. They kind of scuffle on the stairs. And then yeah. Yeah, he pulls the flesh. Uh, she pulls the flesh off his face. Mm. And underneath there's just a skull and it's gross. This is where Vincent Camby's like, he's wearing a mask. See, <laughs> it's super fun again. Yeah, it's like green and gooey. And yeah. there's like, there's maggots. A lot of maggots in this movie. I appreciate yeah. the maggot work. And I love how the, he's just like, ah. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah, because he's scaring her because yeah. it's scary, yeah. and then we are it's gross, scary, yeah. And then we're back in the bedroom with her screaming, yeah, and he is under the covers with her. That's right. Rod wakes up in a panic, and here we fucking go, yes, yeah. from the screenplay. In Rod's POV, we see Tina struggling and flailing along with the sheets, the man nowhere in sight. Suddenly. Tina's eyes turned upwards to her tormentor gives an awful jolt. 
Her arms and legs are sprouted as if an overwhelming force is pinning her to the bed. Next instant, her nightgown flies apart and four long slices chase down her torso mm. from no visible instruments. A huge irrigation of blood floods the bed. Terrified, Rod dives for the light, but the same moment something invisible grabs Tina, welding her body in the air and bringing it around in a swift blow that knocks Rod crashing into the light, smashing it to bits. He sees Tina sliding up the bedroom wall in a dark smear, dragged feet first. Mm. Moving with her up the wall and bumping around the corner into the ceiling. She's looking at who's dragging her, her eyes glazing. Wide on the ceiling as her body suddenly flops loose, hanging for an awful moment. As the body falls like a sack of rocks onto the devastated bed in slow motion, striking with a huge splash of blood. So there was a splash of blood. It was cut out by the sensors. Sensors didn't want. So they cut the second she hits the bed. Sure. Because of the amount of, bl- the amount of blood. That's a shame. I have seen the raw, the raw footage. It's a lot of fucking blood. Yeah. <laughs> a sick, awful giggle floats around the room, then echoes off into infinity. Oh, oh, I love that. Rod staggers up, staring as if hoping to see his this phantom. You can tell he's an English teacher because that is so prosaic. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, irrigation of blood flooding yep. the bed, the dark smear. She's dragged up the wall. It's just yeah. so visceral. So I'm, I'll talk about oh. how I'm going to talk about how in a second. Glenn and, uh, and Nancy get there and they hear from the other side of the door who did this. They hear Rod talking. I'll kill you. They burst in to find that Rod is gone and the room is covered in blood. You guys probably guess how this is done because we did talk about this technique previously. No. Her dragging up the wall and then across the set. Oh, I assume it's the same as the fly with the room yes, spinning. That's exactly what yeah. it is. It's a revolving room. The room is a cube inside a rig, so the entire set can be turned. So what's different about this version is that we're looking over Rod's shoulder for quite a lot of it. Yeah. That is actually the, the actor. Well, I assume he's not in the room. No, he's in the room. He's he has to be in the room. He a has bit to like turn he almost he outside to, of the apparatus. He has to turn with the room. So he's strapped in. He's strapped in, and Fuck, his hair that is plastered. Sounds like so much pl- effort plastered down. So are the camera people. The camera people are strapped in as well. Wow. Okay. Also, the lights are bolted to the outside of the room so that the shadows don't move. Oh my That's god! Smart. That's hectic. This room was so well weighted that it only took two grips to spin it. So that's it is wild. The, the engineering is perfectly balanced. Fuck, that's right? sick. That's so cool. This is an important piece of information for later in the film. Okay. How well balanced this thing is. Set up. <laughs> Craven basically didn't, they didn't invent this effect. Yeah. Craven took this from Fred Astaire dancing on a roof in a movie from 1953 yeah. called Royal <laughs> Wedding. There's a lot of the practical moving of things on set like this come from a lot of those early films because when you think about all of those early films they had no special effects and they had to move well this is like te- this is a special effect but yes but yeah yeah so people use the word special effect and visual effect yeah, interchangeably special is effect is, special effect is a physical thing that happens a visual effect is a synthetic thing that happens oh there you go yes. thank you it's weird to think that that Ability has been possible in filmmaking for so long. Oh, you are, would be so shocked by the shit that they invented in the 1910s yeah? and 1920s that we still use today. Okay, awesome. Yep. There are shots that are just wild. I've seen one things, or two things that blow me out. Uh, but there's a, um, when we talk about, when we do Bill and Ted 2, <laughs> okay. we'll talk about a particular shot 
that uses a technique that is taken from a movie in the 1920s. Fuck yeah, that's mad. Yeah, so if they did this scene now, it would just all be CG? Or no, do they I mean, Christopher do- Nolan used this exact same technique for the hallway fight in Inception. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> people do still do it, just not as much. I think this much. is the cheaper way to do it, right? That's always, that's are, often true, but they yeah, still do it then. This exact revolving room mm. was reused in the canon film Break Into Electric Boogaloo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. The greatest film ever. That's (laughs) fantastic. At the cop shop, we meet Lieutenant Don Thompson as another cop catches him up with what's happening. Fucking John Saxon. Hello, John Saxon. John Saxon is so good. The father. He seems familiar. I don't don't know where I know him Well, he had a career that lasted 60 years. Wow. And he was in hundreds of films and television. Wow. Yeah. He was a teen idol in the 1950s. <laughs> okay. In the 1960s, he went to Europe and started making movies with the Italians. And in 1973, he was in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Oh, shit. Yep. Right. Lots of horror, lots of sci-fi, lots of westerns. He played cops a lot. Fuck yeah. He played so many cops. He's a cop in the 1974 movie Black Christmas. Many people say that that is the first slasher. Okay. It's the movie that people say John Carpenter ripped off when he made Halloween. Right. <laughs> Carpenter claims that he's never seen it. I've never even heard of it. He passed away in 2020 at age 83. This movie kind of brought him into 80s horror, so he shows up in like lots of 80s horror after this. Fair enough. When he was cast in the movie, he brought a box to Wes Craven. When he opened it, he said, here are two hair pieces for you. This one's a little fuller and this one's a little, <laughs> little, little, little thinner yeah. for you. Which one would you prefer that I wear? Because he is a bald man. Yes. Okay. He's wearing a piece, wearing a toupee. Yeah, I feel I can definitely tell that. Yeah, but he used it as part of... I feel like they went with the thinner one. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so we find out as he walks, he's asking questions and then we find out that he is in fact Nancy's father. Mm. And we also meet Nancy's mother, Marge, played by Ronnie Blakely. She was a singer nominated for an Academy Award for her first acting role in the movie Nashville. Okay. Robert Altman movie. And I think that was in the 1970s. She's in Walter Hill's The Driver. The mother, I can't, uh, the mother weirds me out. I can't read. She's off. I can't, the I whole can't tell if it's bad like, acting or it's, if it's intentional. It's intentional. And it's like, she's off. Kind yeah, of like her own it's unhinged moments. a little. Yeah. Hey, after this, she's only got a handful of roles. She was never, she was never really, oh, well, she was an actress. I shouldn't say she yeah. wasn't really an actress, but it was never her priority. Yeah. She still releases music to this very day. Oh, really? She still releasing albums. Yep. Okay. Mad. She's also a notable uh, gay rights activist. Cool. Um, she's and also unions and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm all about her in this movie. Turns out that I'm all about her in real life. Yeah. So we find out it's very clear that Nancy's parents are divorced. He wants to know what she was doing shacking up with three other kids in the middle of the night. <laughs> the cops are instantly blaming Rod, which is because he, he's the obvious suspect. Yeah. Nancy tries to tell them that Rod wouldn't do it. And then she tries to tell them about Tina's nightmares. She mm. was just scared. We were there because she was scared about her nightmares and they're like not really which interested is, in listening to Which her. is she puts, she validates her nightmares and, and wants to talk about her nightmares because as we know, she's also having these nightmares Yes, and is scared. Does she describe him in this one? No, not no, yet. No, that's later? No, because no, not yet. The next day on a TV, it's all over the news and the TV is blaming Rod. Yeah. Right? They say his name. You're not supposed to do that. Well, it's 1984. <laughs> they can do whatever the fuck they want. Innocent until proven guilty. It's Reagan's America. <laughs> and he's a child, technically. Nancy wants to go to, to school. She's ready to go to school. Her mother's like, doesn't think that she should. She heard her tossing and turning all night. Heather Langham's eyes in this scene. 
Mm. Oh my god, they are so blue. It is fucking crazy how yeah, blue her eyes. Yeah. I assumed it would have been like some kind of color correcting. That's just thing. her eyes. Oh really? Just I think her it's eyes just and picture film. Yeah, then. good and good lighting probably. There's in this probably particular. light going into them that are making them glow. Wow. And okay. also, I just want to say this out loud. Swoon. Yeah, she looks like a vampire. Um, uh, Nancy's my girl. She yeah. is very beautiful. Yep. I didn't look at the film and I was like, oh, she's very beautiful. But it then a few on, scenes throughout the movie, she I'm grows like, on you. oh, you are very attractive. She has that. Girl, she has the girl next door quality that Craven yeah. was after, where you look at her and you go, oh, that's just like a regular looking girl. And then the closer that you watch her, you go, you see those eyes and you go, oh, hi, how yeah. are you doing? Yeah. You're making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Kira's like. I don't get it. <laughs> Not for me. She leaves and as she's walking down the street, there is a man in a suit watching her. Yeah. Rod grabs her, still covered in Tina's blood, yeah. and drags her into some bushes. He had a night. He's yeah. su- she's surprisingly not afraid of him in this scene. Well, no. because she doesn't think that he did it. Yeah, no, but in the context of him grabbing her and yeah. being covered in blood, you yeah. would think that she would like... But she just trusts but her friend, she, which is kind of a nice character thing. That yeah. she's, she's, It also kind of shows that she's a little bit braver than your average teenager. True. But, al- but also that she really does trust him. We'll, well, I'm going to talk about something later that, that Craven uh, talks about in terms of Nancy's arc that, I, that is really fascinating. But it plays into that. This movie has kind of a Hitchcock setup. In any other movie, Tina is the lead. And yeah. so they kill her off. They generally psycho her at the, yeah. beginning of the beginning of this movie. So it's similar to, and it's similar to like Ripley in Alien, mm. where, where yeah, it kind of becomes obvious that she's the lead, but she kind of emerges into the into the role. Yes, yeah? she does. I love that. So, I didn't even realize that until you guys pointed that out. Yeah. Rod says that he didn't do it. <laughs> Nancy's father pops into the bushes pointing his gun <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Rod runs and Nancy stands, stands between Rod and her father's gun yeah. to stop her father from shooting Rod. Again, braver than your average teenage girl. Yeah. And then she's pissed off at her dad. Her dad used her as bait. Yeah. She is quite strong and lead. Yeah. Which it didn't really dawn on me until now because she's a bit of a badass. Yeah. Yeah. The end of the movie. Yeah. I see, my immediate read of that was she heard him in the room going, who are you? Because- and but also I'll kill you. So the movie yes. kind of wants to have it both ways. Yeah. Nancy never really doubts that that Rod the, is the innocent. Rod is innocent. Yeah. But the movie wants you to think that maybe, maybe. But then we see. So it's it's all just. Yeah. It's it. I think it sh- it, it works. plays it as though works. it's like yeah. you can understand why the adults would think he did it. Yeah. But. You both, can also both understand between, her. Both between her believing the dream stuff and also having heard the thing here she also just trusts a friend yeah 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 yeah. and it kind of i don't know to me it kind of plays on that there is a stronger history than we have seen with this character like we've only seen her be the bad boy but she's her best friend's boyfriend she spent a lot of time with this kid she probably knows knows that he's secretly like just a teddy bear and he's fine like he's not nearly as bad as he acts kind of thing you do get that feeling you really do yeah yeah in english class the guy sitting in front of her is like 40, by the way. Yeah, there's lots of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. The teacher is quoting Hamlet. What is seen is not always what is real. According to Shakespeare, there was something operating in nature, perhaps inside human nature itself, that was rotten. A canker, as he put it. I love when a movie has a classroom scene where they discuss a topic that's thematically relevant to a <laughs> <Herlin's> plot. <point. laughs> 
Love so it. happens all the time in real happens life. Happens all yeah. the time. <laughs> There's a good one in Halloween as well. Okay. Great. Jamie Lee Curtis is staring out a window and the, everything the teacher is saying is thematically relevant. It's fucking great. <laughs> Teacher's discussing uh, Shakespeare. That teacher is Lynn Shay, no. sis- sister of New Line executive Bob Shay. Oh, right. <laughs> we saw her in The Hidden, also okay. a New Line film, as Senator Holt's assistant. She is one of the ongoing stars of the Insidious movie. Insidious, yes. Okay. Yeah. We talked yep. about it before. She shows up in a bunch of New Line movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will not be her only appearance in a Nightmare movie. Is she always a teacher? No. So she's not playing the same character. There's no continuity there. No. Nancy looks beat. I do love that Lynn, as she's walking past her, puts her her arm on her, puts her hand on her to, like, you just go, like, I'm here. Yes. You know, your friend just died. Yeah. The teacher asks one of the other kids, a surfer kid in the class, to go up and read from Julius Caesar. Nancy is falling asleep in class. Mm. The grave stood tenantless and the sheet of dead did squeak and gibber in the Roman street. He switches from speaking normally to a low stage whisper. Oh God, I could be bounded in a nutshell and call myself a king of infinite space. Were it not that I have bad dreams. Didn't even pick that up. That's so clean. iconic. And then we hear Tina call Nancy's name. Yeah. yeah. Before we get to what happens next, the surfer actor is Don Hannah, who is no. Daryl Hannah's brother. Why do I know Daryl Hannah? Daryl Hannah's an iconic actor from the, from the 1980s. Yeah, okay. The one where she's a mermaid, Splash. Yeah, 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 yeah. With Tom Hanks. Yep. He will appear in the Nightmare series again. Okay. Tina's standing in the hall in a body bag. Yeah. This body bag effect is fucking awesome. Yeah. A clear see-through body bag. She disappears, but there's blood left behind as he goes into the hall. What she sees down the hall is Tina on the ground as something unseen lifts her feet and drags her down the hall. And there's this thick line of blood. Black blood as well. so good. Like it's really dark black blood. Yeah. Nancy runs after her and then runs into the, a hall monitor. Yes. Who's wearing a red and green sweater. Yes. I loved this. Who asks her for her hall pass. Screw your pass. And then as she runs off. Hey, Nancy. No running in the hallway. Yes. <laughs> so good. And of course, she follows the blood down into the boiler room. Yes. So how did they do the friend. dragging thing? She's just on like fishing line. All oh, right, it's in chant. Oh, the invisible person yeah, dragging her. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, she's just been dragged. Like it's just, it's just old school. You can't see that there's a line attached to her, and they pull her out of. It's so That's visually cool. nice, yep. like the plastic and the blood all like pressed up against. It's so good. Down in the boiler room. Which is, there's a shift from the school location to the boiler room location. Yes. She calls out for Tina and outsteps the man with the finger knives. Mm. This is where we get an amazing look at England's physicality as Freddy. How so? England really thought about how Freddy stands and moves because he is a theatre song and dance man. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is where he kind of starts to nail it. So there are other parts of the movie where it's a little goofy, right? Because it's either not England or because he's still figuring it out. Oh, like he walks and the, the, the knives are heavy. Yes. This is exactly what I'm going to talk about. So England talks about feeling like he was a bit of a gunslinger when he put the glove on because it was heavy. It pulls his shoulder down. So Freddie is skewed oh, all the time, right? 
So he took a little bit of a <sighs> he took a little bit of a wider stance, so a little bit of a gangster stance that he took from Jimmy Cagney, <sighs> right? To give to give uh, Freddie a little bit of a bit of a silhouette, and then the way that he uses the glove as an extension of his of his hand, it's not just a weapon that's on his hand. He uses it like it's his fingers. Mm. Um, he took from Klaus Kinski's long fingers as Dracula in the remake of Nosferatu from the 1970s. He will take that to the absolute limit in New Nightmare. Okay. Which we will I'll bring I'll bring it back up. Just speaking on his physicality, there is a showman-esque quality that's mixed into all of yeah. this as well that you can read in the performance as yeah. well mm-hmm. where it's like it's almost like he's like it's not you thinking that this is the actor bringing a showman quality to the performance. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Freddie knows this is a stage for your mind. Yes. Kind mm-hmm. of He's thing. setting the stage. He's creating fear. Yeah. He gets off on the fear he creates yeah. before he kills you. It's not just the kill for it's him. It's not yeah. just, the ki- just the kill. It's the stalk. Yeah. Which is a thing that serial killers say it's all about. True, 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 true. Right, but yeah, the perform the it's and it's in the physical performance. And this is like the first meeting, proper meeting of of Freddie and Nancy, and it is iconic, right? And again, what's wild? We know nothing about Freddie, and we're reading this from him already. Yeah, Yeah. fucking wild. She says, "Who are you?" And he lifts his shirt, cuts himself, and green ooze and maggots come. I love this. Is, are they real maggots? Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Okay. Yeah. I just, like, when I read it, I was like, there must be a stage way that they do that. But oh, no, yeah, they just, just put bugs just in. Yeah. No, it's Heck just real maggots in Okay. Yeah. She runs uh, away and eventually gets cornered in front of, like, a, a mm. furnace where there's fire. He says, and this is the first, I think this might be the first time we hear his name. She jams her arm onto a steam pipe. Yeah. And wakes up screaming in class, runs outside and realizes she has a burn on her arm yeah. from her dream. As she yeah. leaves the teacher, teacher's like, you need a whole pass. <laughs> you need a whole pass, yeah. <laughs> Cut out here from the script. Originally, she ran into Tina outside leaning against a tree, asking her what she dreamt about. Shut up. Hectic. Yeah. But then she- Because it plays with whether or not she's still in the dream. Oh. But I think it was probably cut out because it might have been a little confusing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In jail, she goes to visit Rod. He is telling her what happened, that somebody was under the covers with them, but that he didn't actually see them. And she's like, how could you not see him? Mm. You could just see cuts happening all at once. What do you mean all at once? I mean, it was as if there were four razors cutting at the same time. He thought he was having a nightmare like the one he had the night before. There was this guy that had knives for fingers and then she absolutely positively believes him. And then we come to another, as the kids would say, banger. (laughs) This movie just has iconic scene after iconic scene. I apologize for using the word banger. (laughs) Um, I'm a fan of the latest slang. Thank you for using it. Nancy's in the bath. Drifting off to sleep, yes. reciting the rhyme. Fuck, this actually terrifies yeah, me. Yeah, this is what this is the scary one for me too. Yeah, this got this gets me as part of the actual scare part. Okay, cool. Like Good it's rare know. that I watch an old horror movie and actually feel the scare. Yeah, sure. But I felt it in this moment. Okay. From the screenplay. Because he's so vulnerable. Mm. Sorry, yeah. Nancy in the tub, so drowsy she can hardly rinse without falling asleep. Her eyes droop. 
She slides closer to the surface of the water, letting its heat soothe her. Reverse, across to her legs, crooked, one knee on each side of the tub. There's a ripple in the water between them. Then something tiny and shiny breaks the surface between them. It pops up with a slithering music cue and catches a sliver of light. Then it begins to rise, higher and higher as it rises, soon accompanied by another, then two more, shining, gleaming blades, and then the full glove, then a dark hand, and then the wrist and arm, straight up like an evil sapling between the girl's knees. Mm. The knives blossoming into a bright flower of razor-sharp steel in the air, moving over the girl's belly. The hand rears back, the claws arched to strike. It's fucking awesome. So then her mother knocks on the door and the glove slips silently back back into the water. What, mother? Don't fall asleep in there. You could drown, you know. Oh, for Pete's sakes. What happens all the time. I've heated up some warm milk for you, honey. Warm milk? Gross. So good. And this is where we really get to see how... There is no line. There is no there's line between the dream. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's that blurring, right? And then she, I love her. Oh, for Pete's sake, my love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I would be fucking terrified. She drifts off again and then is suddenly dragged under the water. Yes. Into the dark beneath the tub. Yeah, like it, like a like she's Being under an ice shelf. The, yeah, yeah. She fights her way back to the surface and then into the tub. Meanwhile, her mother has heard her yelling and uses her coat hanger to jimmy the door open. I don't know how she did that. Well, into the little privacy lock to get. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Nancy tells her, "You were calling me. I just slipped getting out of the tub, Mom. But I told you, hundreds of people a year get killed like that, honey." I know, but I'm okay, Mother. I'm sorry for scaring you. It's okay. She offers her a warm glass of milk. I've never had warm milk. It's, I don't think what? it sounds very nice. She does. That's She's what Ellie said as well. How have you never had warm milk before? I've had wild hot chocolate, me. but I've not had it just on its, its, its own. It's meant to help you sleep. I does it help you, you know sleep? Because yeah. Warm milk? Yeah. Okay. Mother of a newborn. I mean, he has warm milk. It, it's that. It helps him go to sleep. Yeah. I thought that was just because the babies. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's just a return to like, well, when you're a child, a we maternal gave you milk instinct. and you went to sleep. So we'll just try it now. Yeah. Okay. It's an old wife's tale. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got to talk about how this was done, right? Yeah. Yes, so please. Inside the house is actually a two-story two-story set. Underneath the bathroom is an eight-foot tank of water. There's no bottom to the bathtub. At all. That seems like the hardest way to get it done. But I suppose if you're going to have the cameras there as well. The water. Nancy, Heather, is actually just balancing herself on like a two-foot beam that is across the tub. Uh, Beneath her is the full eight feet. So she's balancing with her leg with her legs up. She looks so natural. Right. Yeah. So she looks so comfortable. Yeah. yeah. She's dragged she's dragged under yeah. into the tank. Under the water is a different like a different location. Under the water. That is not Heather Langenkamp. That is Jim Doyle, the special effects guy's With girlfriend. Girlfriend oh. at, the t- at the time. It's not a man. You can <laughs> yeah, see that I know, I know. female form. You actually I've see been quite, a, quite, a, quite a bit of it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And that was shot in a backyard swimming pool covered in black plastic the day after the movie's rap party and everyone was hungover. <laughs> oh, 
god. <laughs> Let's do the water effect while we're all well, hungover. I haven't got it yet. That is so impressive. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is so impressive, that shot. And there's a way that the body double is swimming that makes it feel like it's hard to move through, mm-hmm. like she's getting nowhere while she's swimming. It's fucking great. Yep. So did they do the whole scene with that tank thing, like with the, with the, yeah. the claw comes the up thing. and everything? Yeah. He's just standing in the tank and... Puts his arm up. Yeah, he's got a he's got like a bri- uh, like a scuba. He's <laughs> wearing scuba gear, and it's not it's not angling, obviously. I like, I, like, I like imagining that he's wearing the full costume with the yeah. makeup yes, and everything, full of scuba gear. Yeah, on top. so it's Jim Doyle. Nancy finds some stay awake pills. That's like the yeah. in universe no version dose. of no dose. Yeah, mm. and later she's in her room, kind of nodding off and watching a movie on the TV. Oh my god! I just got where the name no dose comes from. No, no sleep. Oh my no god. Dose. Oh my god. Sorry. We do not have time for your personal. You <laughs> <laughs> need to keep talking about this motion picture. Please experience. continue. I'm an idiot. You guys spot what she was watching on TV? No. She's watching The Evil Dead. Ah. Oh, I did spot that. Because as we talked about on The Evil Dead episode, Sam Raimi. Oh, this is the beginning of the thing. Put a Heels Home Eyes poster. In the cellar of the movie right. Evil Dead. Yes. And then Craven returned the favor by putting Evil Dead on the television that Nancy is watching. I love that. Yeah. She's trying to keep herself awake. She opens a window to get some fresh air and Glenn is just right there. Yeah. <laughs> He's climbed up the, the rose trellis. We find out he lives directly across yeah. the street, which is such a beautiful piece of business yeah. because it does so much great work later in the movie. Yeah. And we should talk about the house, right? Yeah. 1428 Elm Street. This house is a fucking mansion, first of all. No, it's not. It's a colonial house in, in yeah, it's not a mansion. It's a, it's, it's a big house. It's a big house. It's a it's big like, house. It's a big American house. Like, it's a yeah. big American they, house. It's like how the house in Home Alone is just like. Well, that's different. That's It's not Home Alone style. It's, ma- okay, it's maybe really I'm not. just. You're imagining things. Okay. It's a regular family. It's a big, it's a family home. Okay. Right? It's a big American building because it's America. But it yeah, is not okay. a, the Home Alone style. That house is ridiculous. Okay, okay. Maybe that I house have is a like fucking perception four of story. It. The house is like four stories with a basement and an attic, right? <laughs> okay, this okay. This is a okay. two-story family I, house. I rescind my comment. I rescind my comment. 1428 Elm Street. Yeah. It becomes iconic over the series of the movies. The sure. house will continue through, through all the movies. The inside of the house is a set, but the outside is in LA. It's literally just off the Sunset Strip. Wow, okay. It's it's just like right there. It's a colonial style house built in 1919. For years it stood where it was and nobody knew where the movie was where where it was shot. It, wow. it was almost undiscovered until the fucking internet ruined everything. Uh, right? Yeah. Much to the owner's dismay yeah. as movie nerds flocked to visit this lo- this location. <laughs> it fell into pretty bad shape, yeah. changed hands a few times before it was gutted, the inside was gutted and renovated into 2008. In 2013, filmmaker Lorraine Scafaria bought it. She directed Hustlers with J-Lo from mm-hmm. a few years ago, which was actually a pretty good movie. Is it? Yeah, it was they a good keep time. trying to get me to watch that. I'm like, that was ah, a good fuck t- it. That movie was a good time. Okay, yeah, I, I dug that movie. Okay, that movie was st- was stylish and a good time. And J Lo is like, I, I'm not a big J Lo fan, but J Lo is like on fire in that movie. All right. During COVID, her partner shot his comedy special. Oh, oh, in the backyard guest house. Shit, Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. What the fuck? Bo- I love that man. Bo Burnham yeah. shot inside in the guest house of the house from Nightmare on Elm Street. 
That's sick. She sold the house last year for three million dollars. Yeah, wow. fuck. Yep. So when you say this house, obviously the outside, but did they film anything inside? No, nothing okay. is shot in. It's just the, it's just the outside. Yeah. The inside's are built. It's one of the it's one of the few sets that they built, and yeah. they needed to build it because of what happens in the last act of the movie. Yeah, I assumed most of it would have been a set. I was just wondering yeah. whether they used any like front doorway or anything. Yeah, yeah. One thing I will point out, the door in this movie is blue. Yes, yes it is. It will not be blue for the remainder of the series. No, no, it will not. It will be a different colour. Right. Is it important? Not really. It just okay. becomes iconic, but then it wasn't like that the whole time. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. it's just a tiny detail. It's just one of those things. Sure. There is so like the there are the seven movies in this series, right? Yeah. There are so many tiny details that I'm going to mention and then bring back in other episodes that you will not remember. Sure. And I'm just letting you know that this is one of them. <laughs> sure. Thank you. <laughs> back at the movie, he heard she freaked out in English class. He asked about her arm. And she says she burnt it in English class. Yeah. Which he is and he confused does question. by. Yeah. He is confused by that. There's a yeah. moment where he's like, okay. She still hasn't slept. She looks in the mirror and says, God, I look 20 years old. Yeah. Which, which she probably is. It, that got a laugh in the cinema in 1984. Right. Because she looks 20 years old. Yeah. She's she actually does. 18. She asks him about his dreams and then uh, he's kind of dismissive, but then she needs a crazy favor. Got a crazy favor to ask you. Uh oh. It's nothing hard or anything. I'm gonna go and look for somebody. And I want you to stand like a, a sort of a guard, okay? Okay? Okay. Now you can't mess up. A lot might depend on this. I won't screw up. Okay, turn off the light. Here's what we're going to do. It's dark in here. And it's not what you're thinking. We fade to black. Now, this is a big memed part, like going into the dream as well. So I loved actually seeing the original before the memed idea of like, oh, I'm going into the dream to fight and you've got to stand guard. Yeah, sure. So I didn't know it was a meme. It's like on Simpsons and everything. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Rick and Morty. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's basically just a ripoff. Yeah. Nancy exits the house onto the street, which is very foggy. Mm. She checks that Glenn is watching yeah, her. Yeah, this is I fantastic. This. this is my favourite part. This is what I was talking about before. This is this tiny moment that is so clever. She checks that Glenn is still watching her, which is fun because it means that he's already a fucking sleep. Oh. Because he's in the dream. Because he's in the dream. That's mad. Now, it also makes it seem like maybe this isn't a dream. Yeah. Because he's there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read that as like it was him sitting there and he, and his little entrance was him going like, yeah, I'm here. And that's why he appeared, but that's why he also ex exited stage left immediately. No, he's also just asleep. Oh, that's great. I love that. She ends up kind of walking around through the alleyways and it leads her to the police station where through a window she looks in and sees that Rod is sleeping. Mm, so genius, connecting them through the dream. I yeah. love yeah. it. Freddie enters the cell T-1000 style through yeah. the bars, which is to dissolve, uh, eight years before James Cameron did that, by the yeah. way. Uh, Cameron should cut him a check. She calls for Glenn and then sees Tina in her body bag standing in writhing eels, real eels. It's just a bucket of eels dropped at her feet. Ah. Fuck. That's mad. A centipede crawls out of Tina's Tina's mouth. Mm. 
So the way that they sell that is it starts in like a mid a mid shot of Tina in like the whole makeup and garg and something comes out of her mouth and it's just her pushing like a rubber bug out of her mouth. Oh. And then they cut to a close up where the centipede is crawling out of a fake head. And it just reads it just like reads, it reads yeah. so clean. I didn't question that at yeah. all. And then Nancy screams, Glenn, where are you? Wake up, Glenn. And there's a reply. I'm here. Mm. Mm. Freddie comes out of the bushes behind her, chases her all the way home. Inside, she runs up the stairs and they turn into quicksand. Oh, that's yeah. the kind of thing that I would nightmare about. Like, ah. Uh, yeah. The, the not being able well, to move. Yeah, we could talk about. Let's talk about. I don't, not, this is not really a nightmare thing, but I often I'm very aware. I'm very uh, conscious of the fact that I'm dreaming in my dreams yeah. all the time. Like all oh, that. Kira and I talk about Same. it. Kira, very very conscious that I know it's a dream. One of the complications of that is that often my legs do not work in dreams because m- my body knows I'm asleep. My brain knows I'm asleep. Yeah. So you I have trouble. Text. I also can't text in dreams. Hands. I can't throw punches. Yeah. Right. The one time I did, so I accidentally like, punched Ellie in the face. Right, there you go. <laughs> This is where I'm going to talk about how Wes and Bob did not see eye to eye. Wes, in order to get this movie made, signed his script over to New Line and all of his rights. And Bob wanted creative input. He wanted Wes to incorporate into the movie some of his ideas. Yeah. This was one of them. The quicksand is one of of Bob Shay's ideas. I love this whole chase. It's great. Wes didn't think it was scary. But Bob insisted. It's very dreamlike, though. It is very dream. I agree that it's very dreamlike. Yeah. And it is iconic to the series, right? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not picking sides. I'm just telling you the, the yeah. story, right? Wes didn't think it was scary, but Bob insisted. Both of them were under immense pressure during the making of this film for it to be a success. Well, as I said before, we wouldn't think of Wes the way that we think of him if this movie's no success and New Line yeah. doesn't exist. To me. Oh, I mean, even the things that he's made already... They get a bit of notoriety later on. There's so much more independent. There's so much more underground than this movie. Right. This movie becomes a pop cultural icon. Last House on the Left is a cult movie. Okay. Right. Hills Have Eyes is a cult movie for horror kids. Okay. 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 Everybody knows a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. You can ask anybody about. Today you can ask people about Nightmare on Elm Street for sure. It's endured through the through Yeah, the like my niece and nephew know who yeah. Freddie is, yeah. Wes eventually relented, and yes, obviously they shot the scene. He even let Bob direct the scene <laughs> by saying action and cut. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> Any idea how they did it? It's, it's yeah, there's a hole in the stairs and it's filled with, with Bisquick. Bisquick? I don't even know what it is. But anyway, it's like- So they've essentially painted on the top of the stairs. The top of the stairs are cut out so that when she steps into it, it steps into like a- But how do they make it look like a stair? And then it becomes liquid. But it's just a piece of carpet on the top. The circle of carpet oh, is on the is on the top. Oh my god! The yeah, of that makes sense. Where her foot, you can actually see it in the scene. You can see it before she steps. Oh really? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, it's not as seamless as you think it is. Oh, I I'm I was with you. Also, you're in, he's in it. Yeah. 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 So Freddie is wearing Nancy's mum's face at the door, which I guess he wears yes. masks, <laughs> right? Yeah. And calls for help. It's actually pretty bad. Like again, it's an effect that. I understand the intention, but it doesn't work very well. See, this is the stuff that was reading to me as fun. In her room, Glenn's asleep. She talks to herself in the mirror of the back of the door, trying to convince herself this is just a dream, this isn't real. And then Freddy crashes through the fucking mirror. Fucking mad. Which is a great scare. They struggle and fight on the bed. Freddy slashes a pillow and feathers float into the air. Her alarm goes off and she wakes up so pissed off at Glenn. Of course. The, the way she delivers the line, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> so good. He essentially almost job. got her killed. Yeah. 
you had one job, just stay awake and watch the girl. Yeah. Is he having the dreams at this point? Well, so Freddie, we don't know quite know the extent of his powers, right? Yeah. But clearly he's not after Glenn right now. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, it's not clear whether or not Glenn's actually had the Freddy-specific dreams. Because he's not super concerned at the moment. He's just Mm. trying to... He's trying to help her. He's also trying to ignore it. That's right. He's trying to 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 ignore it. He's like, it's not happening. It's a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, that rod killed thinger. Yeah. Yeah. Her mother calls out because she heard noise, ends up coming in. Glenn goes out the window to hide and then... Nessie's mum is drunk. Yeah. She's been drinking. She's had a few. And the performance for her being an alcoholic is, let's call it fun. Yeah, she makes, she's making bold choices. Yeah, she is yeah. making bold choices. She's swinging. I think it works. Um, I think it does too, but I don't think it's good performance, if that makes sense. Like, Yeah, okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Drunk hard. But the, yeah. the way the mum's going, I feel like it comes from nowhere and it's not being carried off, but I also feel like that this, the way the mum is performed adds to like this dream quality. Think about her behaviour in the context of her knowing what she did and having that thing come back. As we realise, it's like almost like a doubt or a keeping it at a distance kind of thing and a denial. There is a single feather floating in the air. Which is fantastic. Yeah. It is the harbinger of what happens for the rest of the movie. Nancy and Glenn run to the police station and demand to see Rod. In Rod's cell, the bedsheets are moving on their own and Mm. wrapping themselves into a noose around his neck. How do they do this one? Reverse photography. They're pulling it away from him. But uh, even Uh, just like the twisting. Yeah. Like it's moving and twisting. How does it? Well, it's already twisted. You're watching it untwist. Except they reverse it. Uh, that makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah, mostly reverse photography. Nancy's father is there and she convinces him to just check on Rod, but it's too late. Rod wakes up to being himself being pulled up mm. and hung, and by the time that they get to him, he is already dead. Yeah, they there's a snap there with his yeah, neck, his isn't neck snaps, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone attends his funeral where the priest has been a judgy bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ashes to ashes, dust to dust. God be with this young man's soul. His life and his death attest to the scripture's warning that he who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. After the funeral, there's a cutscene that is kind of that is kind of interesting, where they reveal a little bit of exposition sooner than they do in the in the movie. So Lieutenant Thompson asks how Nancy's doing, and the mother responds, I don't think she slept since Tina died. She's always been a delicate kid. Thompson replies, she's tougher than you think. Any idea how she knew Rod was going to kill himself? The mother replies, no. All I know is this reminds me too much of 10 years ago. Lieutenant Thompson replies, well, yeah, let's not start digging up bodies just because we're in a cemetery. Mm. That is interesting. It is is interesting. Mm. Also, the idea of her being a delicate child is interesting. I will come back to that later. And she's tougher than you think she is. Yes. Afterwards, the funeral, Nancy's in pretty bad shape. She tells her father the killer's still on the loose. I don't know who he is, but he's burned and he wears a weird hat and a red and green sweater, really dirty, and he uses these knives like giant fingernails. Lieutenant Thompson tells her mother to take her home and get her some sleep. Wouldn't Lieutenant Thompson know the description? Yes. They do. Do you see their faces? They share a knowing look. 
Do they? I miss that. Yes. They share like, oh God, what the fuck? I miss that entirely. And then at the Catcher Institute for the Study of Sleep Disorders, (laughs) Nancy says to a doctor, I don't know why you can just give me a pill to keep me from dreaming. (laughs) Chekhov's pill set up for a different movie. Everyone's got to dream, young lady. If you don't dream, you go. That doctor, Dr. King, is Charles Fleischer. He is the voice of Roger Rabbit. (laughs) Kira only saw for the first time a few weeks ago. Yes. He also has a very memorable role in David Finch's Zodiac. Why don't I just go and find out when we play that film? But that's all right. It's not a problem. They're just down in the basement. Not many people have basements in California. I do. I haven't seen that. I know. You said that last time I mentioned it. I don't know yeah. what's wrong with you. I know. I feel like I'll be scared. Because <laughs> it's too real? Yeah. 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 Okay. But it's great. It's got some intense sequences. Yeah. Nancy is not into this, but she does actually give in. So they're going to monitor her sleeping. And yeah, her mother lights a smoke yeah. and asks, what the hell are dreams anyway? <laughs> so fucking good. It makes sense for her to be okay with being in the um in this thing because she's going to be watched sleep. That's the whole yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably and that's the what only, she wanted Glenn to do. Yeah, yeah, so it's probably the only kind of sleep she's ever she's going to get. Doctor King's response about what are dreams is mysteries, incredible body hocus pocus. The truth is, we still don't know what they are or where they come from. In the script, he actually mentions the Hmong refugees that died in their sleep, but it got cut out of the, got cut out of the movie. Ah. Right? The doc narrates what's happening. She's entering REM. She's dreaming. Yep. She's definitely dreaming now. There's like a lie detector. I, I'm saying lie detector yeah. because it's a point of reference. There's like a needle graph thing that's measuring something yeah. or whatever. And he says about that, that typical dream parameter, a nightmare now would be a plus or minus five or six, and she's just around a three point... And then Nancy starts having a nightmare and the needle swings way past five or six. Mm. She's convulsing on the bed. They go in and wake her up. A streak of her hair has gone gray. Yeah, I love that. The doctors and nurses try to inject her to put her back to sleep and she fights them off and she has four slashes on her arm. That's right. And then she pulls out from under the cover a dusty old hat. The fucking hat. I loved that. I thought we were going to get people like believing her at that point. And I was like, oh my God, she did it. I brought something out of my dream. I grabbed it off his head. I fucking love it. It freaks out her mom so bad. The nurse at the beginning of this sequence, Wes Craven's Uh, (laughs) ex-wife. Hey, can I ask, like in this scene and the lighting- Damn, okay, I won't then. Nope. Um, yeah, what do you mean? In this scene and the lighting, and especially like in like the boiler room scenes a lot, is mm-hmm. this the era where like music videos had come into like the filming? MTV starts in 1984. We're not there yet. And I have mentioned music video lighting in regards yeah. to Nightmare later films. Because I feel like this is kind of going it's, that way. It's not. No? Wait until we get to the MTV Nightmare. Okay, okay. I've mentioned it before on the pod. Okay. Kira knows. I know. Kira knows what time it is. Yep. Yep. At home. <laughs> yep. Yep. At home, Nancy overhears her mother talking to her father about what happened. Mm. And then when she comes into the kitchen, her mother tries to hide her booze so poorly. <laughs> uh, Nancy still hasn't slept. Nancy asked, Did you ask Daddy to have the hat examined? I threw that filthy thing away. 
I don't know where you really found it or, or what you're trying to prove. What I learned in the dream clinic, that's what I'm trying to prove, Mother. Rod didn't kill Tina. And he didn't hang himself. It's this guy. He's after us in our dreams. And then Nancy kind of goes around her mother and pulls the hat out of a drawer. Give me that damn thing. It even has his name written in it. Fred Krueger, Mom. Fred Krueger. Do you know who that is, Mother? Because if you do, you better tell me because he's after me now. Mm, so good. Yeah. Her mother tells her that she'll feel better if she sleeps. And then Nancy keeps pushing. Nancy confronts her about her drinking. Mm. And then her mother just slaps her. According to Heather Langkamp, they did this like 25 times. No. And Ronnie Blakely like fucking painted her face every time. No. <laughs> she was like, can we, have we got this? Can we move on now? Fuck. Yeah. Fred Kruger can't come after you, Nancy. He's dead. Believe me. I know. You knew about him all this time? And you've been acting like it was something I made up? Nancy, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. You'll feel better when you sleep. It's just as simple as that. Screw sleep! She meets up with Glenn at one of those Midwestern canals with the palm trees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good pull. So this is the Venice Canals in Venice, yep. California, built in 1905 by a developer, Abbott Kinney, as part of his Venice of America project. Mm. Kinney sought to recreate the appearance and feel of Venice, Italy in a coastal Los Angeles county. It's direct from Wikipedia. I just thought it was funny. I didn't know that. It was just one of those things where I was like, oh, I'm just going to look this thing up. Yeah, and I was like, sure. you know what? I'm just going to copy and paste that. <laughs> Save um, you five minutes of writing. They show up in, in lots of shows and movies. Yeah. Hank and Becca in Californication take walks there where they have yeah. their talks. Yeah. All the time. Glenn asks Nancy, did you ever read about Chekhov's Balanese way of dreaming? They got this whole system they call dream skills. So if you have a nightmare, for instance, like falling, right? Right. Well, instead of screaming and getting all nuts, you say, okay, I'm gonna make up my mind that I fall into a magic world where you get something special like a, a poem or a song. They get all their art and literature from dreams. Just wake up and write it down. Dream skills. What if they meet a monster in their dreams? Then what? They turn their back on it, take away its energy, and it disappears. Through the scene, Glenn is fucking around with a hamburger, and Nancy has been flipping through a book. Mm. Booby traps and improvised anti-personal devices. <laughs> I fucking love that. What are you reading that for? I'm into survival. I'm into survival. Love it. That is a real manual, an army manual for for creating booby traps. That's fucking, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. There's a line. Good ideas in there. There's a line that is cut where he goes, where did you get it from? And she answers, I found it at this really cool survivalist store, bookstore. Because <laughs> <laughs> they exist. Well, they do. Except that they're on the internet and they're run by right-wing people that think, <laughs> that think that zombies are coming. Yeah. Nancy comes home to find that her mother has had Bars installed on all the windows. Yeah. And the rose trellises are just lying discarded on the front on the front lawn. Mm. Drunk Marge inside tells her that they're for security. From what? From whom? And then she leads Nancy into the cellar mm. and tells her 
who Fred Krueger was. This is the sickest origin story to like any fucking bad guy. You didn't know. I had no idea. This is so good. Oh, you didn't know. You didn't know. Like this is loose. Like it's not some random monster. It's not some fucking great horror that you've uncovered. This specific monster was a monster in life that your mother murdered, murdered. Yeah. and now yeah. you're so, fucked. Let me let me read from the from the Yeah, screenplay. go for it. You want to know who Fred Krueger was? He was a filthy child murderer who killed at least 20 kids in the neighborhood. Kids we all knew. Oh, mom. It drove us crazy when we didn't know who it was. But it was even worse after they caught him. She pulls something out of the furnace, wrapped in a wrapped in a rag. Did they put him away? All the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous, but somebody forgot to sign the search warrant in the right place, and Kruger was free just like that. What did you do, Mother? A bunch of us parents tracked him down after they let him out. We found him in an old abandoned boiler room where he used to take his kids. Go on. Took gasoline. We poured it all around the place and made a trail of it out the door. Then lit the whole thing up and watched it burn. But he can't get you now. He's dead, honey, because mommy killed him. I even took his knives. She unwraps the rag. Oh, yeah. And she has the real glove. That's right. Tell you what's I fucking... took his knives. Oh, so good, that line. I took his yeah. knives. But I'll tell you what's fucking great. The best part about this origin story, your mom didn't just kill him. Your mom killed him in your lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this happened while you were alive. While you were a little kid, yeah. Oh. She says, mommy killed him, you can sleep now. Oh, in the good. script, there is more of this. Yes. Some of it is detail that will be used in future films to fill out this, fill yeah. out this story. She also describes using Nancy's father gun, father's gun to shoot Freddy while he's on fire. Yes. And also in the script, Nancy asks if Tina, Rod, and Glenn's parents were there too, and they were. Right. Yeah. Now it's time to talk about Satanic Panic and how it affected the making of this movie. Okay. Ah, ah new information for Kira. <laughs> Kira's like, oh, you've piqued my interest. <laughs> so in Craven's original conception of Freddy, he was in fact a child molester. Oh. But before the movie was made, the McMartin preschool case happened. Okay. Do you know about this, this case? Is this a real Karen? thing? I think I might. Yeah, I'm I think the, sure. the, well, once I start telling you the details, it'll come back to you. So the McMartins were a family that ran a daycare in California. Oh. And in 1983, wait, no, no, no. It's not what you think it is. Okay. They were accused by a parent, Judy Johnson, of sexually abusing her child. She reported it. The cops investigated, interviewed other kids, and then it spread to there being hundreds of abuse allegations by children. It was all bullshit. Whoa. I do know this. It's mass hysteria. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Judy Johnson, who made the original accusation, was a paranoid schizophrenic, and the cops, in their fear of Satanism, because some of the kids said. In addition to being sexually abused, they saw witches fly, traveled in a hot air balloon, and were taken through underground tunnels under the preschool. Oh, shit. Yeah. Everybody freaked out. Okay. The, there were no tunnels. The way that they, inter- they interviewed the kids made the kids start telling stories because they thought that it was what the parents wanted, the parents and the investigators wanted them to do. You have to be so careful when you're interviewing kids because yeah. otherwise they'll just give you what they think that you're asking. When one child was shown a series of photographs, he identified actor Chuck Norris as one of the abusers. Oh, wow. <laughs> it still went to fucking trial. Okay. It went to trial in 1990 after the accusations were made in 1983. Various members of the family were, were accused and went to tr- went to trial. Oh no! Most of them spent five years in jail, only to be acquitted because it was all fucking bullshit. Oh my god! So because that is That's happening, how you get a murderer. Because that because that was happening in 1983, Craven made the decision to change. Freddie from being a his original conception, a child molester to a child, just a child murderer. Yeah. Somehow that to take better. that, to take it out. <laughs> kind of does though. So as the movies move forward, he is in fact a child murderer, yeah. not a, not a child molester. Yeah. In the Much re- more cleaner bad guy. In the remake, this is one of the things I fucking hate about the remake. Really? In the remake, all of the kids went to the same preschool where Freddie was a janitor, where he sexually abused them under the school. Nah, not about that. Glenn's phone rings as he is in bed watching television with headphones on so he can listen to a record at the same time. The crop the crop top. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, thank you. I didn't even make a note, but thank you. The, I love a male crop top. The midriff. Yes. They are back it's in like, fashion now like, and I'm fucking all about it. That outfit them. is iconic and on the commentary track, Heather's like, Wes, you made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He asked her to come to the window so that she can see him. I feel like you're like a million miles away. This is great because it's two practical houses across the street from each other, and yeah. you see them talking to each other across this across the street. It's just wonderful. It's yeah. just so so good. It feels like things that I experienced when I when I was a kid. When I was a kid growing up, mm. I had I had a girl that lived next door that I was that I was really good friends with, and her mother was a teacher and taught drama in in high school. Yeah, okay. And so she had headsets that were used, radio headsets that were used for stage performances. She gave me one of the headsets Ah. and we would lay in bed at night talking to each other via the radio headsets from house to house. house. You've never told me that before. I've never told you that story. We did that that forever. I love that. That's adorable. You must have creeped out your mother. Just hearing you just talk. She knew what was going on. She knew what was Oh, she knew? If she didn't know, that would be so creepy. Yeah, yeah. But she would (laughs) tell me to go. She'd be be like, go to sleep. Yeah. Go to sleep. Yeah. Why would I go to sleep? Freddie's going to get me. (laughs) He asks how long since she slept. She says seven days. In the movie, it's been like three days. Mm. So like, it's a little bit of wonky there. It's okay. I check in as the record's 11. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. She tells him she knows who the killer is now and that if the killer gets her, he might be next. He's like, what do you mean I'm next? <laughs> yeah. uh, she wants his help nailing him when she brings him out of her dream, just like the hat. And if she can't do it, then they can all relax because she's just nuts. Yeah. They have a little back and forth where he's like, yeah, I still love you anyway. And you won't mind cold cocking this guy when I bring him out. What? You heard me. I grab the guy in my dream. You see me struggling, so you wake me up. We both come out, you whack the fucker, and we got him. Are you crazy? Hit him with what? You're the jock. You have a baseball bat or something. 
Just meet me at my porch at midnight. I love just how she's just like, no, we're going to fuck this dude up. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no question in her mind. Like you said, like she's very strong minded. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. You just can't trust a teenage boy not to fall asleep. No. <laughs> I'm falling asleep right now. Yep. <laughs> Nancy is downing those uh, those stay awake pills. Oh, one of my favorite things is coming up. Glenn's mother comes in to check in on him. He's already asleep. Yeah. She kind of wakes him up and then she's like, how can you watch the TV and, and listen to a record at the same time? He's like, well, I'm not listening to the, to the television. I'm staying up late to watch Miss Nude America. <laughs> yeah. And then a little bit of 80s misogyny. But then how will you hear what she's got to say? And he's like, who cares what she's got to say? <laughs> yeah. But also teenage boy. Teenage boys. His parents are going to turn in in a little while because it's almost midnight. Mm. So Nancy's mum is in her room collecting the coffee cups and when she leaves, Nancy gets up, <laughs> moves some things and has a full coffee machine with pot. Yeah, a, ba- pot. a backup one because oh, yeah. she had one in there yeah. already. She's got, the, she's got the pot in there. Yeah, and she takes it, but then this, she's got a she's she's got the backup full coffee <laughs> machine. It is so good, yeah. That's just been making coffee in the bedside yeah, table. It's fantastic. Love- <laughs> as soon as that happened, I was like, the mum would smell the coffee. Well, the whole room probably smells like coffee because how many coffee cups has she got around? That's so true. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. She looks outside and Glenn's parents are standing on the porch watching her house. Yeah. You know what I think? I think that kid is some kind of lunatic or something. You shouldn't talk that way about that poor child. You mean those bars? Marge is just being cautious, what with her being all alone. Nancy acting so nervous lately. Yeah, the why accent, are you looking in the her window? on the father is just, uh, yeah. just amazing. Nancy goes to leave, but her mum is drunk, swigging on linen closet booze in the hallway. I don't really know why, why she, she bothers hiding, hiding, hiding it. it. Like, no, it's just where she's knows. got a bottle stashed. Yeah. It's just where she keeps it. Oh, okay. It's uh, not trying to hide it. It's a linen closet booze. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> she calls Glenn's house. He's asleep. His parents answer and end up hanging up on her. And then her father's like, no, nah, fuck this. We're taking, yeah. we're taking the phone off the hook. Her phone rings. Mm. She answers it. And it's just the sound of Freddie's claws scraping. So she, in a panic, pulls the cord mm. and then realizes what she's done. Yeah. Well, he can't call. He ain't calling. The phone rings. Not plugged fuck. in. I love that effect in a lot of things. She answers and she gets a uh, tongue in the mouth. Blah. That's right. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> this may seem like an odd place to, to put this, but there's a re- there's a reason. How many days do you think that this movie shot for? Mm, say two months. I'm way off because you said days. Two weeks. Well, you always talk about film shoots in days, even if they go for months. So Okay, two months. So like 60-something days. I'm saying it's a quick shoot, two months. You think 60 days is a quick shoot? Okay, cool. I don't know. Movies take a long time to, okay. 18 days. 18 days. 18 days, is, it's good, but it's not. It's 26 days, Ooh. so pretty close. In those 26 days, they shot 80 effect sequences. Wow. For a 90-minute movie. Even just some of the Every practical scene. ones. 
every scene in this movie has something just going on. Yeah. All really well planned beforehand. Yeah, incredibly well planned beforehand. Wild, okay. Yep. She runs to leave and warn Glenn, but of course the front door is locked. Her mum is drunk on the lounge and won't give her the key. Nancy mm. ends up screaming at her. Locked, locked, locked. Oh, Glenn. Oh, oh, Glenn. This uh, is fucking mad. Let me talk through it okay. and then we'll talk about how because this is, again. His inability to stay awake, this is the perfect end for him. Kira's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> not down with it. <laughs> I, no, I like him. It's just she gave he, you one job and you fucked it up twice. He deserved it. He did deserve it. Did he? Well, in a movie where life is on the line and you're that cavalier. He doesn't make the correct choices. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. The national anthem's playing because it mean, because the TV station is going off air at midnight. That used to be a thing that happened. Yeah, <laughs> weird. The station announcer says, It is now 12 midnight and this is station KRGR leaving the air. KRGR. Kruger. Kruger. <laughs> leaving the air. The voice, it's Bob Shea. Glenn gets pulled into the bed, TV, record player and all. Fucking hard. His mother comes in and screams as we see blood pour out of the bed hole onto the roof. It is like the the width of a big bucket. It's just it so is. fantastic. It's so good. From this screenplay, what's left of Glenn is vomited up from the pit of the nightmare bed. A horrible mess of blood and bone and hair and wires mm. streaming out and over the bed. Then the pit in the in the bed is gone as if it were never there. So this is a redress of Tina's room. It's the revolving room again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It would have to be because it's pouring well, the, out. To make the blood go up. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So when they dumped the 80 or so gallons of red water yeah. into this rotating room, the first thing that happened was that the l- practical lights in the roof electrified and zapped the guys dumping water. Of oh. oh! They had decided that, hey, well, let's do a cool thing. Let's, like, rotate the room. Remember when I talked about how well this thing was balanced? Oh, Guess what no. 80 gallons of water does? Uh. It unbalances a cube. It started to spin uncontrollably. The camera crew and Craven were in the room <laughs> strapped down. Oh, no! The cube, as it spun, pulled the lighting cables of the lights that were strapped to the side of the cube, putting them into darkness. Oh, no. no. The water Fuck. then the water then poured out of the Glen's window onto the studio floor. <laughs> oh, my God. And finally, when it stopped, the crew were upside down in the dark. And according to Craven, it was 20 minutes before they got them down. Oh, my God. Wow. That's horrible. What but were we saying about well-planned shots? Yeah, no one was hurt, and they created one of the most iconic moments in horror movie history. It is fucking worth it. The See, amount the is, of liquid. They had a plan. I feel oh. like the let's spin it part it was, the, was, was the not planned. Of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. It is... It is a fucking it is incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's still hot. It's one of those things today where I think that, that like, there's lots of things that don't work. That is one, even though the, the, the blood is very watery. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where just the imagery of this but movie things is like so that, fucking incredible. With the water being, with the blood being watery, those details, I put down to a dreamscape yeah, feel sure. of this yeah, movie, yeah. right? You can make, this movie gets a lot of leniency because of that stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Was it? Prince of Darkness, where this technique was kind of done as well, where things were shooting onto the roof. Yeah, in Prince of Darkness, yeah. they do reverse photography for the um the goo coming out of the yeah, and the, maybe you know, think liquid, of that. liquid Kool Aid Satan coming out of the yeah. Thing. But I was like, whoa, so much more liquid. Yeah, <laughs> an ambulance arrives. 
two EMTs get out and a cop tells them, you don't need a stretcher, you need a mop. <laughs> so it's an brutal. ADR line, but it is so, so brutal. I love it. Oh. <laughs> Lieutenant Thompson arrives on the scene. He waves at Nancy in her window. <laughs> Inside, the cops are putting down sheets and buckets to catch the blood that is pouring through the ceiling. Yeah. Yep. Is this, so much blood. This is like a famous death as well. This, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember this watching it going, death. I feel like I've heard about this. This is yeah. the death from yeah. my man. Yeah. yeah. The first one, at least. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nancy calls Glenn's house to talk to her father. Yeah. Listen, Daddy, I've got a proposition for you. Listen very carefully, please. Nancy. I'm going to go and get the guy who did it. And I want you to be there to arrest him when I bring him out, okay? Just tell me who did it. I'll go get him, baby. Fred Krueger did it, Daddy. And only I can get him. It's my nightmare he comes to. Just come here and break the door down in exactly 20 minutes. Can you do that? Yeah, sure. That'll be exactly half past midnight. Time, time enough for me to fall asleep and find him. Honey, look, honey, you just do that. Get yourself some sleep. That's what I've been telling you all along. But she'll be here to catch him? Lieutenant, they're waiting for you upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, I'll be there, sweetheart. Now, look, you just get yourself some rest, please. Deal? It's a deal. I love you, sweetheart. And he says, yeah but it's clear that he doesn't believe her. Mm. He does send a cop to watch the house for anything yeah. weird. So we know he's non-committal because he said, she said, come in exactly 20 minutes. And instead of doing that, he goes, tell me if anything weird happens out the front of my place. Yeah. Yeah. Because she says she's going to go to sleep and he's like, yes, go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he's Mon- not going to wake her up in 20 minutes. He wants her to get some sleep. Exactly. Montage time. Nancy prepares for war, Home Alone style. Fucking Home Alone style. But maybe we should be calling it Nightmare style because this, this is, is so first. much longer right? for Home Alone. Yeah. And also, like, some of the traps are fucking hectic. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're from- The a, light bulb one are fucking mad. It's a real trap from this real army manual. Really? Yes. Those things are all taken from inside that actual manual. Putting the buckshot in the light bulb, I was like, fuck, that's- f- Mad if that's worse. So Craven loves booby traps. He uses them in a bunch of his movies, and he actually had to make the conscious decision to wean himself off using booby traps. In <laughs> wean himself uh, off. But traps are One so good tra- for a horror villain. <laughs> you know what I mean? booby trap per movie yeah. until so she, I don't do them anymore. She plants a tripwire that's rigged to a lamp with yeah, with black power with shot from a shotgun shell. Yeah. She spring loads a sledgehammer to drop, and then, and this is where I'm going to talk about character growth. She puts her mother to bed. Oh. Craven talks about in the commentary how he wanted there to be a reversal through the movie. Yeah. Nancy starts as the child she and does. becomes the parent. So she yeah, okay. she's always been a delicate child. She's always been so strong. Yeah. There is a direct line of growth. She tucks her mother into bed yeah. at the end of the at the end of the movie. She takes responsibility. For the entire first half of the movie, her mother as the adult is trying to protect her child. Yeah. And what happens is, is that Nancy grows as a character to the point that she can protect herself. It's so subtle, but it comes through. Like you yeah. see it happen, but you don't think about it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So her mother apologizes for not telling her, and she says the line to her. You face things. That's your nature. That's your gift. But sometimes mm. you have to turn away too. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Ready to finally sleep. 
she sets an alarm, two alarms, one uh, like a old school uh, like cartoon alarm. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a cartoon yeah, alarm. Yeah, it's an yeah. alarm that they always an show alarm cartoons. Clock, yeah. And she also has a fancy watch, a fancy like Casio computer watch that, yeah, has, that has an alarm, yeah. which will be helpful for her. Apparently Wes Craven bought that for the production. It was like $250 oh and he God. had one of his own. <laughs> and then she prays. And now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Do you reckon that's what the little rhyme was kind of based on? Like, because that's a creepy little prayer anyway. The the religious stuff in this movie with Craven having been raised a strict Baptist is oh, so yeah, very part sense. of it, yeah. right? Yeah. He's, a, he's an atheist, so she has 10 minutes to find him. As she falls asleep, we hear a repeat of the dialogue from earlier. What if they meet a monster in their dreams? Then what? They turn their back on her, take away its energy, and it disappears. What happens if they don't do that? Well, then I guess those people will wake up to tell what happens. Studio note for sure. Yeah, okay. 100% studio note. We're going to remind them of that thing that happened. Yeah, not necessarily. So that they understand what's about to, ha- what's about to happen. Nancy, it's, a, it's quite impressive that she set up all of those traps in 10 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah, but no, he, she said, wake me up in 20 minutes. Didn't, oh, yeah, she does. So, I had, 10 minutes. so 10 minutes to She's set up all of those. She's probably done a lot of pre-work. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. did a little pre-production for her traps. Just, just so you Makes know, sense. Ellie Makes and sense. I were like, bullshit, she did all this in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's a movie. I was like, it would take five minutes just to empty all those shells. <laughs> Nancy wakes up and goes to the cellar to get the glove out of the furnace and it is gone. Gone. Because she is in a dream. Yeah. And Freddie's wearing it. Mm. She finds a door in the cellar that wasn't there before. Yeah. It sounds familiar, Ooh. doesn't it? Yeah. And enters into the boiler room. We hear Tina speaking again, and then we hear Glenn screaming. Mm. She goes deeper and deeper down into the boiler room, descending into hell, essentially. Yeah. Right? She calls out for him. Fucking brazen. I you, love it. You don't see it in great detail, but she finds his lair. Yeah. yeah. She finds his makeshift bedroom where there is a cross from Tina's room yeah. and also Rod's switchblade. Yeah. <laughs> he is watching her through the scene. Mm. You get a shot of his eyes mm. and then his hand like spidering out of a frame. Yeah, right, I love in. that. It's sitting in the foreground and you can't tell what it is. Until it moves. And then it moves like a spider. Mm. I yeah. love it. She yells, Of course, he pops out at her. She runs and then dives off a staircase, like a spiral staircase, and then she is falling from the roof of her house into the rose bush trellises that are out the front. Mm. She gets up. She's lost him again. She's got 10 seconds on her watch. He bursts out from underneath the rose trellises. She dives and tackles him, and then this is fucking fantastic. I love this so much. She wakes up in bed with the rose trellises. Yeah. Yeah. And they disappear somehow. They get pulled out of frame. And then the camera zooms out to show that they're not there. That was fucking clean. It is such a good transition. It's the type of thing that is so stupid on set, but you just have to trust the the, the director that it's going to work. It is something that someone like me takes for granted because I see that and I go, oh, I could do that with two different shots and some effects. You but know what I mean? do do that then. 
but they couldn't fucking do it. And I immediately was like, how the fuck did they just do that? Just in the camera. Just, just someone pulling it off out of the camera. crew members to just pick it up and walk away with it. It was a clean movement. It was so clean. It's like it's just coordination. Yeah. It's very good coordination. Nancy sits up and there's no sign of Freddie. She thinks that she's failed and that she is actually crazy. And then, nope, he pops up into the real world. That's behind right. the bed. She makes, Fucking great. She makes him chase her. Yeah. Because she knows that he loves a chase. Mm. She calls out to the window to her father, smashes the front window and yells some more. Freddie exits her bedroom and takes a sledgehammer to the gut and then falls down the stairs. She taunts him. Yeah. And then leads him into the tripwire that blows the lamp. Oh, I love that. She's smashing more windows, calling for for her dad. Mm. Outside, the cop is like, Maybe I better go tell a lieutenant. Yeah. Think after the first smashed window, you should. Yeah. I would have slapped that guy. They end up back in the cellar again. She corners him and throws, I think it's meant to be kerosene. She throws something uh, flammable. I think it's meant to be flammable, yeah. And then lights him on fire. This stunt burn is wild. Even though Freddie adds about like 20 kilos. Yeah, to his (laughs) neck especially, yeah. yeah, It's a stunt man. It is actually several different burns. It is not one, it's not one burn. But the stunt guy chases Nancy up the stairs. Even that first shot in the basement goes for a long time. Yeah, it's a lot. Each of them is very long burns. Yeah. Yeah. Follows Nancy up the stairs, falls down, gets back up, and then runs back up them. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Upstairs, smoke is pouring out of the broken window. Her father runs over with some other cops and they break in the front door. Yeah. He finds Nancy and Nancy is following Freddie's burning footsteps up to her mother's mother's room. That effect is sick. The burning footsteps was so good. Yeah. Freddie's in bed with her, with the mother, while he's still on fire. She hits him with a chair. Yeah. Fucking cold. Chair shot. Love it. Lieutenant Thompson comes in and throws a blanket over her mother to put her out. And when he pulls it back in the screenplay. Mm. The only thing he sees is the blackened half-skeleton of his ex-wife, smoking and seething and sinking into a fluid-like mattress, sinking right down through it as if she was sinking into a lake. A blackened, gnarled hand goes up last, and then the bed solidifies over the place where she disappears as if no one was ever there. Fucking cold. Explain that one, Lieutenant Thompson. (laughs) He hugs her, and Nessie's like, now do you believe me? And then she tells him to go downstairs and she will be there in a minute. Yeah. Because she knows she needs to face Freddy alone. Uh Uh-huh. The door slams shut and she turns away from the bed. And then again from the screenplay. Freddy presses against the surface, rising up as it stretches and he cuts his way out. Burnt black. You think you was going to get away from me? I know you too well now, Freddy. Freddy grins, confused and amused at the same time. You die. Nancy, even firmer. It's too late, Kruger. I know the secret now. This is just a dream. You're not alive. This whole thing is just a dream. I want my mother and friend again. What? I take back every bit of energy I gave you. You're nothing. Music builds here. 
and then shrieks as Kruger stabs down right through Nancy as if she were an optical illusion, Mm. losing his balance and falling down, down, down. And he's gone. She steps through the door and then we hear birds, children playing, early morning sounds. It's bright. Her mother is there too. Yeah. It's a bright sunny day. You look a little peaked. Maybe I just slept heavy. You know what? I think I'm going to quit drinking. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I just don't feel like it anymore. Oh, okay. Before we get to the end, right? So the darkness of the scene before. First of all, the fucking line by Freddy coming out of the bed is so cold. I love that oh, shit. That imagery the back is, and yeah, forth with both of them is so good. And it's so dark. And then the contrast of the next scene where it's like, I'm going to quit drinking. You know what? I just feel like it these days. Yeah. It was so fucking funny. And I didn't know what was coming next. Right. So, so I was like, ha, 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 this is the best movie. I love how like everything's better now. Mm-hmm. Pulling up is Glenn, Rod and Tina in, in Glenn's convertible. She gets in and the roof snaps shut. And it the is roof. Red and green. Oh yeah. my God. The car- I did not see this coming. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. The car starts to lock itself. Nancy's mother just waves as they drive yeah. off on their own with Nancy screaming. All the kids screaming. We hear the rhyme. We see little girls skipping one last time. And Nancy's mum is pulled through the window the window at the front door. Oh, that's forgot about how dirty they did the mum again. Yes. Fuck. The mum being pulled through the window is a fucking blob doll in her costume. Yeah. It is like so fast. Yeah. But it is so funny. It is so sick. So fuck. So I I didn't see this coming at all. So we're going to talk about a little bit about the ending. So the ending is all Bob Shay. Ah. The ending is not Wes Craven. Yeah. You know, what was the original? What was the original? Well, it plays out like a dream, but you don't know if it's a dream or if it's real. It's more ambiguous. Wes says he thought that Bob wanted a hook for a sequel. Bob Shea says he just wanted people to leave with a shock. He wanted to give people one last shock before they left the theater. Craven gave in out of gratitude to Bob for getting the movie made. Yeah. He just let Bob have his way. I also think that at that point he was so fucking tired that he just (laughs) let Bob get what he wanted. I like the definitive loss. I love the definitive loss. I like it. I like it too. They did shoot a few variations. One with Freddie driving the car. That's what's in the script that I read. But apparently Wes hated that version. He was like, no, we're not doing that. One where Freddie was the car. Right, yeah, which okay. is where the roof come, the roof thing comes from. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is, is that they used parts from all of the different, all of the different yeah. things to finally make it. And then, over the credits, we hear Nightmare performed by Two One Three. one of the first of many specially written songs for the soundtrack <laughs> the Nightmare Fuck movie. Yeah. We'll talk about others. Oh, some of the others are just so much fun. And that <laughs> is okay. a nightmare on Elm Street. Yay! All I can say is that was that was what I wanted. Yeah, good. <laughs> that was what good. I fucking wanted. It was not a movie that was more than I expected, mm-hmm. less than I expected. It hit exactly what I wanted from Nightmare on Elm Street. An appropriate age to have seen a Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I reckon. It is rated R in Australia, R18. It's still rated R18 in Australia. Five and a half months, too young. <laughs> yeah. 
According to our son. Give it, give it, give it to six. Um, <laughs> I reckon you could watch this as like a seven or eight year old and it'd be fine. Horror is You're something gonna that get, you the introduced to that, a lot younger. That, that young, it's likely to give you nightmares and then mm. be a problem. Yeah. I think that's okay sometimes. Well, not but if yeah, it becomes okay. like, and then be a problem. Like not just You're I had right. a nightmare, but like now I'm afraid to sleep because of this movie. <laughs> like it could yeah. be a real problem Especially at that like age. a seven or eight year old who understands how dreams work and also that you can die. Okay. And okay. then those two things get combined. Okay, yeah. Okay. I think that that's probably a bit. So I think. Let's my, say preteens then. Yeah. I'm thinking like pre-teens. 12, 13. Yeah, okay. When you're a little bit older and less likely to have it ruin your <laughs> yeah. entire childhood. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. I was probably like 18 when I saw this for the first time. Yeah. For the reasons that we talked about. Earlier. Yeah. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free world? Wait, I have a follow up oh, question. Yeah, sorry. Sure. At what age will you be introducing this movie to your son? Oh, that's a good question. Well, he's already seen part of it once. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. Legitimately, I mean, him, sit him down to watch it. Yeah, I would. When you're watching it with your parents as well, it's a little safer. Yeah, yeah. It depends on. I, mean, I guess it would depend on how he's already reacted to to yeah. horror. But I would say from as early as like nine or ten, if he was like mm. not freaked out by horror. And then, and then, but if he was freaked out by horror, I would hold off until he was like maybe like 12 or 13. 12 mm. or 13. Is and that acceptable parenting for you? Yeah. I mean, it is rated R18 for adults only, but fuck that noise. Freddie when you think about better. it as well, like kids that are coming up these days have a different shorthand for horror and effects. So when they look at older things, they're not as scared of it like I was watching. Yeah, but my kid's going to grow up watching practical. True, 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 true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Practical. That's why it's different to the what age do you think is appropriate. It's no, but li- li- legitimately us. with our actual child, mm. what, what no, do you think you're going to do? We have one of those. <laughs> well, would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? Of course. Yeah, 100%. This is a breeze. You bl- breeze through this. This is fun. Such a good watch. Mm-hmm. A rating for A Nightmare on Elm Street. The way that we rate movies is on a five-star scale with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie, two and a half being I liked past this movie. It was fine. Three being I like this movie, four being I love this movie, and five being this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Brody should definitely go first. This is a difficult one for me. This is second week in a row, I think, that I am – Torn between a four and a five. Mm -hmm. And I think just because horror is not my – oh, but it's so much more fun than your typical horror. This is – 4.5. This is a very, very high, almost five, 4.5. This is higher than my last Mm 4.5, if that makes sense. Look, here is keeping a record of the rating. I know. We haven't done that for for like (laughs) seven months. It's okay. I've got it. (laughs) In the context of this podcast, it is a five. Yeah, yeah. In the context outside of this podcast? Well, it's not one of my favourite movies of all time. Sure. I have my favourite movies of all time. There's about five or six of them and this right, isn't one okay, of them. Yeah. You're a little but bit more in the, con- in the context You're of so this. so good. I could, never, I could never have an actual list. I have an actual list. That's wild. Um, and this isn't technically on it, but it is probably one of my favourite this and Scream are my favorite it's horror movies. Sitting on the edge so, of that list, yeah. 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 So in terms of horror movies, and into and and like I said, in the context of this podcast, it will be one of my favorites mm-hmm. that we will cover. So, mm, nah, give me a five. Yeah, give me a five. There are movies that I've given a five that do not even stand up to this, okay. and this deserves a five. We yeah. converted Brody to to horror movies. Yeah. yeah, it's a good time. You guys watching or dealing with horror with you guys? That's how I want to deal with horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you get to have a hug and a talk after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Legitimately, that's the issue. I mean, is there any question? Is there any question what my rating is going to be? Got to be a five. It's five stars. Oh, yeah. I warn you, I'll be rating multiple Nightmare movies. 
use five stars. Really? Yep, absolutely. Positively. So the the not whole, all of them. Okay, not all of them, but definitely more than one. So is the package of Nightmare a five star for you? Oh yeah, as I said, it's my favorite, favorite. movie of all, of all time. But like with all the foibles of later ones, yeah. the package of Nightmare is. Listen, I Freddy's his guy. Freddy's wow. My guy. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And even the. Do you bag- know how many Freddy stuff we have? Like- I do. I do. I got a Freddy Krueger lunchbox. But how does that? He's got multiple Fer- Freddy Krueger um, figurines. Figurines and-, and. Question. Yeah. Does the package of Freddy of Nightmare being a five? Does that make you? Hate the ones that are bad worse, no, or love them in a certain the weird ones, way. There are movies that are flat out fucking terrible. Yeah, still a good time. Okay, interesting. That's there how is, I would feel. There's also an element of they like grow on the ones that you don't like growing. Growing you, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll talk very specifically about that. But there's one that that we will that we will cover that has definitely grown. 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 Okay, yeah. yeah. There's only one that I that I would actively say I don't. Enjoy watching Freddy versus Jason. No, uh, that's not part of the series, man. Okay, okay. I don't count that as part, okay, of, okay, as okay. part of the canon. Like I, I know that people enjoy it. People enjoy it because Do you enjoy it. No, okay. I think it's. I honestly, Have you seen it? I honestly, legitimately think yes. that that is a terrible, okay. terrible movie, and I don't enjoy it in any in any way. Right. So you're like, doesn't I don't, count. I don't like it at all. Yeah, and yeah, I understand. Okay. Look, listen, I understand fandom. I love. Oh my god, it's the two things I love banging against each other. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I just like also just like. Good movies, and it's just I, I just don't think yeah, it's a good. It's not, that's well, why it's not the, a great concert. Like it, they didn't. There's probably a better way of doing what they did. Yeah. yeah. Next episode, the way that we pick movies is that my co-host alternate taking turns picking some three choices I prepared. This week is in fact Kira's pick. Yay! Oh my god! Yeah, it is uh, Halloween, so our choices are going to skew towards the 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 horror. Very exciting. Yep. If a movie remains unpicked three times, it's struck out and taken off the list. They can bring it back and lay dead. Am I choosing? Still on the list are Young Guns with two strikes. Oh. It's it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard not to do that one, but it is Halloween. Are you going to be watching the next movie? I'm back, baby. Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> this is how Adam I'm back, baby. <laughs> this is how Adam finds out. Because <laughs> we haven't mentioned it to him. Fucking I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll have weeks off and so will you. So he'll yeah, be back. He'll, exactly. be, he'll yeah, be around. Exactly. Adam will still return. He's our old I'm still shit with my schedule. Yeah, he's still the understudy. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. sub yeah. him in off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> also on the list is Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween. All right. Yeah, because you had a choice between going Halloween and right, mate. I did. Good choice. I have. I might I not have. Been, I, I might not have been back if you picked Halloween. Oh wow! I'm, oh, we will deal with the Blair Witch situation at some point. Okay, so that was going to be one of my guesses for the third one. But can I guess? Well, uh, it's already been picked. We have to do it. We have to do it. We're it's just going to be it. out of continuity. That's fine we're just going to do it at some point. Yeah. But whether or not that's this October or later, we'll we'll figure that out. It'll just but, be a yeah. special episode at some it's point. It's going to be a very, <laughs> a very yeah. special weekend video. And then you on the list. I think I know what it is. Oh, do, do no, you, no, no, you go, you go. I'll take it here. Is it number two? Uh, no. Oh, damn. I was so excited for number two. <laughs> Adding to the list, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, uh, Freddy's Revenge. You just said it wasn't that. <laughs> yes, Kira. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've actually looked at this tape. Oh, the cover, the poster for Nightmare 2 is amazing. Oh, it looks so uh, good. Oh, yeah, it's this one. Oh, I mean, I, I'm choosing, but like, yeah, oh, I'm excited for Brody to see this one. Oh, it looks so good. I'm very excited for Brody to see this one. I think you're going to have a nice time. Or you're going to be very confused, but I think you're going to have a nice time. Uh, I am fucking down for number two. 
Yeah, well, obviously we're going to go with Nightmare yeah. Part Two. Oh, I mean, I'm what else listen, is possible I'm, looking going to happen? I've never rigged this game. We've been we've played an honest game. We have the entire time. We've you never know. ever 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 gone oh yeah let's make it this and then had a conversation yeah and we're not doing that now but there's a I'm lot of times where you I'm know. legitimately putting this on the list I knew Kira was going to pick yeah, it it's a bad all I can say is Ellie has been hanging out for Halloween number one for so long <laughs> she was so cut that I didn't choose it sorry <laughs> too bad too next bad. Halloween <laughs> the worst is the worst thing is is that you are not allowed to watch it Brody which means that she will not watch it I know until we do it on the podcast all I'm doing is laying a road. It's up to you to pick which direction we go in. I'm I'm fucking down for this road. Don't come back next episode, uh, but do come back next week. Next week will be. I know whether we've been fortnightly since uh, since the baby situation happened, mm-hmm. but next week come back for Weekend Homework Club. I'm going to be making three movie recommendations for movies that do not fit within the scope of the podcast. And Excellent. To our, yeah, to our audience, I can highly recommend following those because discussing this just like recently the other day where I was like, I really appreciate where I've got myself into a situation where I have someone else curating a selection of movies <laughs> for me now. I do love curating a, a collection of a collection of movies. But it's so good because like I, without any effort or like push from myself, are getting this taste of music, uh, of music, of movies that kind of is just really great and outside of my wheelhouse that I never would have, that you put have on watched myself. otherwise. Yeah. yeah. I say this as somebody who has a podcast that is mostly about movies from 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 the eighties, right? Uh, lots of nineties as well, but mostly mm. from the eighties. Is that there is this um shrinking of the canon that mm. has existed within the within well the, said, yeah. since the internet has existed. And there is so much great cinema that happened before uh, Jaws and Star Wars. Yeah. If you're into movies, you should be actively watching things made before 1982. There's also <laughs> a, something something I think we kind of discovered towards the start of this podcast. It was like we knew so many and we didn't know whether or not we had seen them. Yeah, but there's a bit of that. this is forcing you to go and actually watch them and I really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, don't come back. Uh, do come back or don't come back next week for Homework Club and then back in two weeks for A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Freddy's Revenge. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app that allows you to leave reviews so that Brody has to tell us more things. Follow us at Week in Video. We don't really do X anymore yeah. but we do still have twitter and uh link and linkedin what yeah, we're <laughs> we do LinkedIn. still have twitter and letterboxd so feel free to follow us there mm. we're also still on tiktok but we keep on getting flagged for inappropriate content and then i have to really? appeal our videos because people don't understand that just because you see a piece of a sex scene from a movie trailer that i'm not trying to sell sexual services oh, no. so that's a good time <laughs> I didn't know about that. <sighs> yeah. It's happened a few times. <laughs> so follow us on Instagram <laughs> at Weird Video. And all the things. And. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Scene. <laughs> and back.